everybody. Turn this up in my headphones for the hundredth time, Charles. For the hundredth time for you, Dylan, I will turn this up in your headphones. <laughs> I hope they're not sick of that yet. <laughs> it's only been a hundred times. How could they be sick of it? Right. <laughs> hello, 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 everybody, one and all. Welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles, and probably a lot more, because we have questions that might go outside that bounce too we'll see i'm yes, very excited I'm... to get into this q a episode and to be doing this for the hundredth time <laughs> with you charles it's like it's so weird to say it but yeah we've done a hundred of these or we're we're gonna have done a hundred of these things yes today is a very important day and a very exciting day and dylan it's not just any episode today oh because today <laughs> is our 100th episode special mm-hmm. We've done it. A very exciting milestone here for the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. Really excited to be here. As Dylan mentioned, we are going to be talking about all kinds of stuff within the fantasy community and within the show and all kinds of other things. Dylan, do you want to explain the situation we've gotten ourselves into for this 100th episode special? Sure. Yeah. Well, we put a Twitter poll out there to ask people what they wanted us to do for our 100th episode. We had four options. The first one was a QA. and a um, You probably know the title of this episode, so sorry, <laughs> it's probably spoiled for you, that, that one. Um, but there were three other options there, uh, one of which was an FTF retrospective, which was, we thought, probably a little too self-indulgent, but we needed we need an option there there was a live stream somehow option which i'm really glad that that did not win though it did come in second yeah, and was... i was monitoring the situation because we don't know how to live stream at all yeah, and i was like please don't let that win because then we'd have to do it and then the fourth option was just do a normal episode which <laughs> <laughs> not a you know a i wouldn't fair you voted for that they... one but it would have stung a little <laughs> <laughs> it was it came in last place That's so cool. even below the ridiculously self-indulgent ftf retrospective which was, <laughs> you know when we first started ftf <laughs> which no one wanted well somehow more people wanted that than did want a normal episode they were probably just um, being polite honestly yes, i think more nice people gesture. probably like would have preferred a normal episode but <laughs> <laughs> they're being nice you know it's the 100th episode we're trying to do something different to acknowledge this milestone and thank you to everyone that voted yeah. on that poll and thank you for choosing the q a the one i was probably most excited about doing besides just a normal episode because i love doing <laughs> those as well and of course shortly afterwards we turned it back to twitter to say okay you you know this is what we voted on it's time now to ask and you guys came out we got a ton of questions i imagine this episode is going to be longer than our average episode yes. and that's because because it's the 100 episode special we are going to do our best to answer as many of these questions in one recording as possible it might be a marathon so <laughs> you know get well you can put 
pause on your thing. <laughs> Charles and I don't really have an option, but if you're going to marathon this with us, you know, uh, as as the advice we got from Twitter of time at one point when we asked for advice for Wheel of Time, make sure to stay hydrated mm. and, uh, you know, breathe, all that kind of stuff, because you could be in for a long one. Who knows? Maybe we'll get through it quick. But yeah. when we're seeing all the questions, that didn't seem super likely, especially given how verbose uh, <laughs> you and I as well, you and I are. Yes. So, <laughs> um, yeah, should I say no spoilers to the best of our abilities? Yep, uh, yep. I don't think we'll spoil anything in this, though we don't know exactly everything we'll talk about. But Yeah, we haven't seen all the questions. Yeah. So if someone's like, what was your favorite spoiler? <laughs> but <laughs> then we'll say, <laughs> we're going to talk about this thing. And uh, we'll have a spoiler for this. But we probably won't really I, even have yeah. to resort to too much of that, I, I imagine. I've seen mm. at least most of these questions. And we're going to try to get to all of them, yeah. uh, which is part of why it's it might take a while. Um, if we do... If you asked us a question and we missed it, which is especially possible if you asked a question that was like in a thread that was already started. Um, yeah, if we miss it and you asked it, please feel free to tweet at us mm -hmm. uh, at the FDF podcast one and uh, ask it and I will answer it. And if you're super interested in Charles's idea, I'll, I'll shoot him a text and I'll uh, try to get him to answer it too. But we're going to try to get to all of them. So I, I, I think we can... We can do this, Charles. Shall we just get into it? I think so. Let's get started with this 100-episode special. And our first question, which just comes to us at the top of our feed, is from Fiction Fans Podcast, someone we uh, recently recorded a collaboration with, and I believe it, we will release that episode right after this one. I think they're episode 101. So very excited to put that episode out there, and we thank them greatly for this question. And Dylan, do you want to ask this question? I think it's more appropriate if you ask it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So it comes from at Fiction Fans Pod, and the question is, why hasn't Charles read The Lies of Locke Lamora yet? <laughs> this I knew we were going to get a couple of these. <laughs> And I think it's only fair for our 100-episode special, we quickly give a recap of the history of uh, Lies of Locke Lamora, which is the first book of The Gentleman Bastards by Scott Lynch. Uh, this is a series that I have been super interested in reading for a long time. It's one that Dylan had read years ago and was constantly telling me how great it was. And yep. it, it's one of those ones that's on like every like top, fantasy series of all time list it's always at near the top uh but before we ever recorded the show i had this thing of like well i don't want to start a series that's not finished because i have so much to read that's already completed so i'll start with those and then once i finish completed series maybe some more of these books will get published and i can read through them and and that was the idea i had in my head so i hadn't read a lot of stuff <laughs> <laughs> but when we started the show dylan we just came up with friends pitching fantasy which is how we determine the next books we're going to read and dylan had pitched I think it was right away. You had the first yes. the first books you had pitched were King Killer Chronicles and uh Lies of Locke Lamora, the Gentleman Bastards series. And I was like, Oh man, this is such a difficult choice. And I don't know, I just went with King Killer because that was one that was near and dear to your heart. That's one that is so 
widely loved and discussed in the fantasy community. Just there's threads of conversation about it all the time that I've just had to constantly avoid and look away from because I hadn't picked it up yet because that was another series that's not done yet famously. Uh, so right. I chose that one and I don't regret it, honestly. I love <laughs> King Killer Chronicles and we've made so much content around it. I do not regret it. The next time it was pitched, okay, <laughs> the next time it was pitched, you also pitched Joe Abercrombie, whom we both read quite a bit and we enjoy. And the reason you pitched it was, look, uh, the last book in his second trilogy drops this year. And if we if you pick this, we can read through them all in time for that book to be dropped. And I was like, okay, yeah. how can I not pick that? One, Joe Abercrombie... Like you've gone on record a few times saying he's one of your favorite, if not your favorite, fantasy author, and I really enjoy Abercrombie, and I hadn't finished his work, so super excited to get into it, and that's why I picked Abercrombie. But that, like Dylan, went on the social media campaign about why haven't you read Gentleman Bastards? Like why do you keep rejecting it? And that started to get some steam, and now every time I go on Twitter, it's like why haven't you read Gentleman Bastards? I'm like, <laughs> hey guys, I'm so happy to join Twitter. It's like read Gentleman Bastards. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's a pretty good summary of all of it, Charles. I think 100 episodes in, I'll try to be charitable to you. Like, <laughs> especially when you do say that the options were, it was the King Killer Chronicle at first. And, you know, if you didn't choose that by now, then that would be the one probably. That <laughs> oh, definitely, would be doing that definitely, to you about. definitely. And then Abercrombie, beloved by both of us. So I understand why you've made the choices that you've made since we started the podcast. I think that what's really the issue here, and this is what you've skated away from having to answer when, and, and I want to give cr some credit to Benjamin at Literature and Lo-Fi, <laughs> who second and, seconded this question, um, who has been as he has been a bigger proponent of this campaign probably oh, yeah. even than me by a decent amount. Um, so I think... I think he and the others and uh, and me would probably be more chill about it if it weren't for the fact that you read fantasy for like a decade before <laughs> we ever started a podcast about it. So you, you jump to this like, well, I explained oh, you it. Know, I, did, I didn't read yes, series that fair. weren't finished. So I didn't read King Killer. Yes, I didn't yeah. read Rats of Lockmore. And that was a purposeful. And then when we started the show, I had to make concessions i like how do you choose between like two incredibly right. popular series and i don't regret my choices and benjamin and i shout out benjamin we've had back and forth so i've explained my case <laughs> to him on multiple different formats through email <laughs> and through twitter <laughs> i'm like it's dylan's fault he's the one yeah that, well he frames these choices in a way where i'm almost obligated to pick like how am i not going to pick job or crombie so that we can read wisdom of crowds in time and i've had all this content like how could i not do that <laughs> woe is you charles woe, woe is, you. is me so that is the story behind lies of lock lamora and dylan i challenge you to pitch lies of lock lamora in the next friends pitching fantasy wow and it will be very difficult to dissuade me from choosing it i'll say that okay. uh i throw don't... down the gauntlet although <laughs> stormlight archive will have to be in there too I was and maybe say, uh... i begged you not to pick storm like make me choose between stormlight and wise of lacklamora but, 
but that's a thing is like there has to be stakes to friends pitching fantasy if you're like oh please pitch the lies of lock Lamore. i'm gonna go all gentleman bastard not just lies of lock Lamore. all three books are out when i do pitch it in that's the next fine. friends pitching fantasy but it's like you almost have to pick it now it feels like so i'm like i'm not gonna throw you a softball here the people want stakes and i think i have to bring stormlight archive by the great Brandon Sanderson as the other one. <sighs> and then I think that, I don't know, the other one I've been thinking about is actually Robin Hobb. <laughs> like the Farsi. I pitched Robin Hobb like, to you, and now you're going to pick it to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was in one of my FPFs. Uh, yeah, well, um, I would ask you not to do that. That's not confirmed, people. We're going to go back it's to the drawing confirmed. board and think about it. But that would be. One of the last difficult choices for me, Robin Hobb, Brandon Sanderson, two of the best in the game. And this this is like, I, I don't know. Dylan just makes it really hard on Friends Pitching Fantasy. He loves to torture me and then go to Twitter and start <laughs> these campaigns against me. So uh, it is what it is. But yeah, it's going to be hard to turn down Lies of Lacamora a third time after all of this social media attention I've been getting. But I appreciate everybody coming out and... Uh, making this a thing it's it's been fun and i don't know what i'm yeah. gonna do on twitter like what i won't have a thing afterwards <laughs> well when you reject stormlight there might be some okay. rejection i don't know if reaction. i'm ready for that <laughs> unless you pick it and then the, the yeah well anyway we and it's all love charles that's the thing is like yeah. something that can get lost in all of this is people really want people really think that this will fit your tastes mm-hmm. the lies of lamora and the other books in this Uh, they want you to read it because they really want to hear your thoughts and your reactions to it and they think you'll enjoy it and that's where i'm coming from too and i think it gets lost in the shuffle where it's like the the question's always why why haven't you read it and that's what i ask you all the time too but it's more like maybe it's time for us to ask ourselves (laughs) why do we want charles to read it so badly Uh, i'll i'll leave i'll leave you all with that in this q a um (laughs) questions yeah Yeah. well thank you everybody thank you fiction fans for asking that question and benjamin for seconding it and i'm glad that we addressed it right in the front and we can uh get through some of these other questions here and this next question comes from the fong of emberlane tony the fong and they asked this question. First of all, they said thanks for Sarah, who is um, one of the co-hosts of Fiction Fans, runs the Twitter account. So they said thanks for asking the most important question in response to Lacamora, which is awesome. And then they go on to say, additionally, if you were framed and imprisoned for something you didn't do, who do you want in your fantasy heist crew? And they say can choose up to four people to break you out and bring justice to those responsible. Wow, this is a heavy-duty question. <laughs> yes. And that's what I said to Tony after he asked this question that this is such a great question that it might be one that, and maybe we'll do this at other points too, is like, when you ask us such awesome questions, we might put a pin in it and see if we can't come up with a whole episode around it. Because, Charles, I could easily spend at least 30 minutes, if not more, I would imagine, with you and I coming up with our own personal breaking us out uh, heist crews. So, <laughs> I yeah, awesome question, Tony. And I think 
you know, off the bat, I'd probably just assemble the crew from the gentleman bastards if i'm being right that you could do a lot worse than that charles won't understand this reference no, but you get la Clamora say, in there maybe yeah. jean in there you know all those great characters <laughs> yeah which other ones would you be interested in having on the crew there just charles? those two would be good oh, enough, okay you know they're like the main they're like the best buds they're the dynamic duo so that uh, they oh. are yeah so <laughs> well at some point hopefully we do get the time to do a, a full episode on something like this in the meantime i'll just say a uh and and then i'll mix it up i'll pick from all different series but for now let's say Locke, jean uh all from Locke lamore lies Locke lamore yeah um father chains would be a good one to have uh. in the mix there you know what do you think of that charles and then i'll say sabatha how about that? That's a little controversial. You won't. You would. Ah, yeah. that's more of a deep cut. <laughs> it's a deep cut. Okay. Uh, I I was thinking, and again, this is one I would love to actually put more time into, maybe revisit for an actual proper episode. But just off the top of my head, you know, Mistborn was originally conceived as a heist, yeah, story, and so I think having a Mistborn like Kelsier would be super interesting for a heist. Um. <laughs> could be fun and then i've always liked the idea of royce and adrian uh adrian adrian thank you with um, an h because they know how to uh, get out of sticky situations and break out of things that might be considered impossible to get out of and yeah and things like that they're tough to lock up so i wouldn't mind do you say going... lock <laughs> no not like that lock. <laughs> um so yeah so that's ryeria Revelations, yes. right era revelations, right era I think revelations. is how it's yeah. pronounced by Michael Solvent that you're yep. talking about. So those would be two good ones to have, and then probably yeah. some super powerful people that like you know could use superpowers to just blow doors open and muscle our sure. way out if we need to. If we need to, you know, you need some real serious strength for that. But yeah, that's awesome. That's a great question. We'll have to revisit that soon. Um, yeah. So thank you. For that, Tony the Fong. And Dylan, do you want to hit us with our next question? I would love to. It comes from Bender at Jack Claver, uh -huh. who said, if you could guest host a SFF character in your podcast, who would it be? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I would probably say I think Tyrion would be a lot of fun to mm. talk to from A Song of Ice and Fire by George R. R. Martin. You know, he's got good quips. He's uh, a smart guy, but he's also interested in what other people have to say. So he's he's just kind of curious about other people, and then he drops some really interesting insight in response. So I think he would make a great podcast host. Yeah. Guest, Guest definitely. Tyrion would be awesome. I I said in response to this, like, oh, who knows? It could be anyone. And then I dropped that gift. That's just Patrick uh, Rothfuss saying, Denna. <laughs> Denna <laughs> so, would be a good choice. Denna. And here's why. So Denna from the Kingkiller Chronicle, you, you may have heard me talk about her before in one of the many episodes I focused on the Kingkiller Chronicle and her and Quoth often in particular. And the number one reason would be because I'm so interested in figuring out the extent to which Quoth's narration in the Kingkiller Chronicle is unreliable. I don't like that's not clear yet 
to this point. Um, and that's not a spoiler, I don't think, uh, to just say people say there's some unreliable narration in the Kinko Chronicle, but there's debate among the fans of the extent to which that's the case. And Dena is a character that's not Quoth, yeah. <laughs> uh, one of her virtues. Yeah. And <laughs> I love Quoth, as I, but he, you know, oh, part of the King. I don't think Quoth would argue with you though. Yeah, Quoth wouldn't argue. He'd be like, yeah, that's, that's very much one of what Dena's he would virtues. Say. Yeah. yeah, it's like not being me is one of her great many virtues. So I think she's not Quoth, and she's so wrapped up in Quoth's life and like such. And the person who I'm most interested in the ways in which Quoth's perception is warping the way that we understand her. So if we just had her on FTF and we could like have a conversation for an hour with her, I think we would learn more about Quoth and about her and about the Kinko Chronicle than we'd even learn if we had Quoth himself on. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. We, that's an interesting way to choose is like to get more insight into an ongoing series. It's like yes. bring one of the bring one of the non POV characters in and see just how distorted of a story we're getting by not having Quoth here. <laughs> that's that's an yeah. interesting decision. No, I agree. And and I also think, you know, Denna, she's you know, she's ready with conversation. You know, she's quick, yes. she's witty, she's funny. Um, she can be, you know, she can like drop a line like out of nowhere and just hit totally. you with it and, and be like, whoa, what? So in those respects, and she can, you know, she's really talented performer as well. So that goes a long way. Yeah, I think that's a great choice. Thanks. Yeah, I think the banter would be on point with Denna here. <laughs> and we wouldn't have, it wouldn't be bogged down by some of the, uh, some of those moments with Quoth and what's going on in that relationship. Uh, right. Just be hopefully like a, a fun, interesting conversation with someone who'd have a lot of like interesting things to say. So, yeah. That's yeah, great. Perhaps we? the shortest conversation we've ever had about Denna. So that's a, a huge milestone for us. <laughs> and, <laughs> 100 episodes in, I've learned to keep it, yeah. keep it down a little bit. So um, thank you, Bender at Jack Claver, for that yep. question. Awesome question. You want to get us into the next question? Yeah. So this is a deep one from Peter the Swordsmith at Eldrazi56. And that is, who's your favorite fantasy author oh, and man. why? <laughs> like, that's Ooh. asking for one. Yeah, which is that so is a hard to question. Do. That's tough. <laughs> oh man, you're, you're coming in with the hard stuff. It's hard to answer like a favorite question. I feel like you just got to go with what you're vibing on right now in the moment. That's how I like to approach these favorite author questions. Um, I got to say, an author that has like skyrocketed for me and has me thinking about them and has me so interested is Ursula K. Le Guin. Yeah, like she rereading a wizard of Earthsea now in the context of this show and having read a lot of fantasy in the past 100 episodes had really sticks out for me right now just really really thoughtful poignant work is that was hidden in this really um short but comprehensive uh young adult story before there was the young adult genre so and for all those reasons she's impressed me quite a bit and then you know we're both Abercrombie fans. I think yeah. Abercrombie's voice just writes to. I'm going to speak for us both, and you can correct me, but writes to our specific 
tastes, I'd say. Yeah. Um, like no one is hitting the specific niche interests in character work and voice and everything that Abercrombie's been hitting in First Law and just doing those character studies and everything has been so much fun. So those two are sticking out for me. Yeah. And if pressed on this question, I will fold and say Joe Abercrombie. And I was I'm yeah. glad you mentioned Ursula K. Le Guin because she's amazing. And I was so impressed reading A Wizard of Earthsea as well. Like so much wisdom packed into such a small, relatively small book. And as these fantasy books go, and mm-hmm. I feel like I, I've learned more from <laughs> Ursula K. Le Guin, maybe even <laughs> in that small book than any other fantasy author. I yeah, mean, that yeah. might be a lot like there's, she has so much wisdom and I want to read so much more of her. And I'm like excited because she's for me, uh, very new, even though obviously these were yeah. published so long yes. ago uh, that I read my first Ursula K. Le Guin book recently so that's yeah so i'm very excited about her but if pressed who is your favorite author i've probably said it before on the podcast before i start trying to be a little bit more like oh like who am i vibing now and i you want to be able to change and be flexible like you don't want to like throw down the gauntlet and be like i'm a joe abercrombie favorite author and i'll never change like that's a little much for me and i learned to speak a little more flexibly about these kind of things but if pressed yeah it's joe abercrombie for me too same things you were talking about there charles fitting our specific taste that dry sense of humor that focus on characters and their psychology and things like that i also want to give a shout out to well patrick rothfuss is in the mix for me too um and then rebecca kwong rf kwong Mm. is what she writes under is like she's I've read so much more by like Joe Abercrombie than I have by Rebecca Kwong because Rebecca Kwong is so much earlier into her writing career at this point. But like she's a person who sticks out to me as like how many more st- she has to have so many more awesome stories to tell. And I love the Poppy War trilogy so much that I'm like. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in the future I'm answering this question with Rebecca Kwong. That's well said. Yeah, she like her for a debut fantasy trilogy is just absolutely yeah. mind blowing the amount she was able to accomplish. So yeah, absolutely. And and the main character in that series, Rin, is you know another one of our so favorites. Amazing. So also you know we gotta give respect to George R R Martin who yeah uh, the this show would not exist without his without his incredible talent in A Song of Ice and Fire. So that is like one of those like titan series that we just admire so much to the point where i don't even feel like we need to bring it up too much like of course like i feel like yeah. george r. r martin's a bit um as a, a given that he's one of our favorites but i just wanted to throw him throw him in the mix make sure he for gets sure. some credit most influential for us in yeah. terms of the fact that we're sitting here after recording a hundred of these yes. episodes <laughs> that's so, fair yeah he definitely gets a lot of credit for that all right, and he's no, awesome. yeah, he is awesome, and there's so many more fantastic authors out there. It changes with the tide. I think a lot of these authors have the benefit of being read by us recently, yeah. <laughs> in, so that's why I like to do like, oh, what am I reading? Who are my favorites right now? And it's, uh, you know, changes with the tide, of course, and it's just what's great about being in the fantasy space because there's never a shortage of awesome stories to talk about. So thank you to Peter the Swordsmith for that question. The next question that I see here is from Nils Reviews It is their Twitter handle. And yep. their question is, 
What is your most favorite moment from Lord of the Rings movie or books? And you can both answer this one. Great. So she asked it to both of us, Dylan. So it's not just, why haven't you read Lines of Nakamura, Charles? It's, <laughs> what's your favorite moment from Lord of the Rings? Uh, see, Lord of the Rings is one of my first loves in the world of fantasy. And those movies are absolutely incredible. So I have so many moments that like are spinning through my mind. We did read the books at the beginning of this you know, show maybe 90 episodes ago. We were talking about Lord of the Rings. And I have to say the Minds of Moria is a huge stick-out moment for me. Yeah. Um, just from the book's perspective, it was perhaps his, Tolkien's uh, most well-written sequence it was genuinely kind of scary and the pacing of it was so good and the atmosphere he was able to set stood out from the rest of his um from the rest of his voice in the books like for some reason like it all kind of the imagery just all comes together for that scene so i love that scene and then of course the stuff with frodo and sam towards the end is just so awesome that's my that's those two moments i don't want to get into like we can spoil it but uh i'm happy to turn it over to you dylan (laughs) those are my favorites yeah sure i well, first of all, I want to say thanks to Nils, and I also want to say that I'm I apologize that I none of my favorites will involve Treebeard at all. <laughs> really? I, yeah. The Entmoot doesn't Nils make has, it to your favorite no, moment. <laughs> no, and Nils has been one who's uh, had disagreements with me about that. Um, uh, not about that. I. I think she agrees that I have not particularly liked anything with Treebeard in it, but she <laughs> very much likes Treebeard. Um, but we I'm both a get... Treebeard fan too, Nils. It's okay. Dylan's yeah, just wrong we... on this one. <laughs> well, we all agree that Tom Bombadil, well, almost all of us, uh, there's some folks on Twitter who <laughs> might, <laughs> might disagree, but uh, yeah, Nils and I are on the same page about uh, Tommy B. Um, so... Anyway, to answer the question, something that sticks out for me when I think back to Lord of the Rings, the, the book, is like Shelob. Yeah, and I won't say more than that one. for, yeah, for spoilery purposes, saying more than that might be uh, bad, but, you know, Nils will know what I mean. And I think it's like, that's something that's so different in the books and is in the movies In the movies. It's like this throwaway thing that just kind of happens. You're like, okay, fine. Like, <laughs> and in the books, it's like this epic thing that has, for some reason, it's like the thing that months and months, months later, I still think about Shelob <laughs> and the that's events awesome. that happened there. <laughs> it's like, and I guess in part it sticks out because that. that contrast. With, yeah, just the contrast where I was like, why was that? It just got put in perspective that the, the moment in the movie was kind of like weird and underdone in comparison. Yeah. And that's... I mean, yeah. And Helm's deep in the, I mean, in the movies. And also, I think the perspective of reading the books and seeing like, wow, Peter Jackson saw this amazing battle yeah in... helm's deep is incredible in yeah. the movies in the right. books it's almost like and then the battle of helm's deep happened and it was super epic and it was cool and then you're like yeah. okay but then in the movie you're like let's do like an hour-long committed battle sequence you're like oh whoa okay right. like that, that that's like something in cinema that has yet to be like topped in my opinion but yeah that's a 
that's a those are two great moments. The Shelob moment in the books is is really powerful. It's up there with Moria in that those two yeah. scenes. Like anytime he gets into these like scary horror moments, he just really picks up, and it's right. it's interesting. So great picks. And, yeah, and the I am no man moment is pretty awesome in the context. Oh of yeah, chills Ryan in the Haywin movies. And all <laughs> yeah. Chills in the movies and in the context of like I don't know Tolkien back then wrote this character of Eowyn like good for good for him so I think that sticks out and of course Charles you and I as veterans who have climbed Mount Doom yes and returned to tell the tale even if you almost died on the way down yes, um, yes all true yeah. all true <laughs> uh that the moments on Mount Doom actually just like weirdly resonate for me and I imagine you too personally because oh, yeah. we had a very arduous journey up and down the the real world stand-in yeah. for the movies of Mount Doom which is Mount I'm going to pronounce it probably incorrectly Nagaruho in New Zealand so yeah, it's those cool. resonate for me personally though it sends me back to a scary time <laughs> A scary time, but an epic time. And a time when when it came down to it, it was just a couple friends trying to scale a mountain. And at the end, isn't that what it's all about? And that's what I love about those final moments when, you know, they shed all their, they drop their weapons. They even drop their food and their water. And it's just the two of them and the struggle of this journey. And I just love that so much. But yeah, so all all great moments. And thank you for that for that question. Nils reviews it. Thank you. So let's yeah. see. We've we've got another from uh, Peter the Swordsmith, which All is, right. do you have a favorite fantasy game? I think I That's can guess one. yours because you've mentioned it a couple times, but I'm trying to can see if I can remember the one? number. Yeah, I'm trying to remember yes. the number. It's Final <laughs> Fantasy, but is it? Shoot, it's it's. I want to say nine. So four. Yeah, I think I. <laughs> no. Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just saying numbers. Uh, for me, if if I was asked my favorite fantasy game, which is what Peter asked, I would say Final Fantasy VIII. But oh, the one eight. I mentioned in the fantasy books that changed our lives and cheated and named a video game was Final Fantasy IX, which was the uh, first one that you see, guessed, Charles. So, yeah. The <laughs> I just knew it wasn't changed, seven, which is everyone's favorite. I was like, it's not seven. <laughs> Yeah, you're in the right area, and you did name the one that I said changed my life. Because it was like one that when I played, I was thinking, oh, maybe I really like fantasy stuff. And eight is my favorite story. That one's controversial. It's very divisive. There's some people who love it, eight, and some people who hate it. The gameplay is kind of not everyone's favorite, and it can be repetitive. And I I see why people don't like that, but I'm so focused on the story in those games and the characters and their arcs and mm. it's and uh, people probably know by now i'm a little sappy when it comes to <laughs> some of these romance plot lines and that's one that hits me right in the feels so final fantasy 8 would be my favorite fantasy mm. game what about yours charles well yeah this is a great question and a lot of these i'm reading for the first time right now so i'm trying to come up quick but i think i have to say skyrim that's the one I've put the most hours into by far and played the most. And I don't think I could say any other game because I don't know. I just, 
Love playing the different classes, going on the different quests, being able to play it however I want, in any order I want, and just the idea of creating your own fantasy story in the sandbox environment of a fantasy world where you can do spells or use any kind of weapon. To, to me, that was um, that was the game. And I've played it since, like, geez, since it came out when we had like just started college. So it's all these years later, and it was awesome. And still play it today. I have it on my Nintendo Switch, and I wow. love to be able to pick it up when I'm on the go, you know? So, yeah, great game. That's awesome. I never really got into Skyrim, but people oh, love dude, it. You I remember you playing in. it when we were younger, too, and, like, going to your place, and I could tell you were really into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you should pick it up. It's fun. Yeah. I might get there one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like... Uh, yeah, that people wouldn't accept that if that was you talking about Eliza Lockwood. You can't just say, oh, I might get there one day. This is backlash. But I think people will be okay with me saying that about Skyrim. Well, yeah. Shall, yeah. All right. Shall we, shall we go on to the next question? Yes, let's do it. The next question that I see is from Beth Tabler with the Twitter handle Beth Tabler. And At thank Beth you Tabler. so much, Beth Tabler. The great Tabler. Beth Tabler yes. from Before We Go Blog. Yes, thank you for submitting a question. Quite the honor. And your question is, who is your favorite female fantasy character? Wow, favorite female fantasy character. That's a great question. Yeah, that is a great question. And, you know, Beth Taylor has been such an amazing supporter of our show since she was one of the first people to, like, start talking about us and trying to lift us up on Twitter. So I feel yeah. some compulsion in our hundredth episode to just say, thank you. Yes. And she's also brought me onto the team on the, before we go blog and I will write something for that blog soon, Beth, I, I promise. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, yeah. So I want to say thank you first of all. And Beth also got us into monstrous, which is why like I am a character that I sometimes forget how much I like them is a character from Monstrous, who is Little Fox or Kippa. Oh. And I think that probably wouldn't be... Beth has me thinking about Monstrous now and how much I enjoyed it. it um, Kippa is an amazing character, and I love these, these very uh, plucky, heroic, uh, almost like... It, I don't know if not quite naive, but like has strong values and tries to pursue heroism, even with acknowledgement of a world that's really messed up and almost like a grimdark world. I think like a character like Lil Fox in Monstrous sticks out because of how stark a contrast and discrepancy they have from the she has from the world that she's in so that's a, a female character that sticks out for me is uh is little fox or kippa but i will i think like when i'm answering this question uh it's hard for me not to say the one that i think you're gonna say to charles uh which is i think it's rin yeah from Rin's a great rebecca choice. kwong's poppy war series who's just so compelling so interesting from a psychological perspective like everything that's going on with her and she makes a lot of decisions that we would not personally make but 
they make a lot of sense why she would make them given her experiences and she's so proactive and she just goes and relentlessly and sometimes Machiavellianly with Machiavellianism (laughs) starts to pursue the things that she wants. I love that proactivity, even if it leads her down these routes that we wouldn't want to go on ourselves uh, or wouldn't want anyone else to go on. So she's just so complex and interesting and Rebecca Kwong just like gets her and has so much voice in the way that she's portrayed. So yeah, it'd probably be Rin. Shout out to Denna as honorable mention, but I, I am going to say. I was going to say, when are we going to yeah. get around to Denna? <laughs> we already did to some extent. Yeah, we, we I almost can't Denna. say. Yeah. Yeah. No, Rin, she is. Oh, sorry. You can. You can it, it, this is definitely Rin's time to shine in this question. We, we've talked about Rin a lot recently, just having finished the Poppy War trilogy not too long ago, and we're just blown away by how fresh her voice is and how well thought out she is and how much we've been able to talk about her you know we we've we've recorded a bunch of episodes talking about her arc and then we uh went on to phantology for their buddy read discussion of bird and god to continue to talk about the arc and you know we just love talking about rin and her place in modern fantasy and just as a character in speculative fiction so great choice for me Man, I got to go back to some of, like, my favorite series. Like, there's so many in Game of Thrones that I just love. You have, like, Daenerys, Cersei, Arya, Ygritte. Like, these characters are incredible. And I think way back, like, our second episode ever was, like, our favorite characters of all time. And, like, Arya and Daenerys made that list. Yeah, they did. And they, like... I forget sometimes. It's been so many years since I've read Game of Thrones that I forget about these characters sometimes, but they're some of the best voices in all of fantasy. Just really interesting stories and, and fantastic dialogue, and their relationships with the other characters are like super interesting. Like, you know, Ygritte and John, and then even Arya and Tywin. Like, I loved all these moments, and like, they, they're so much fun. So, yeah, those are standouts for me. And then I have to give a shout out to one of my favorite graphic novel series, Saga. And I have to give a shout out to Alana because Alana to me is like one of the best like representations of like a mother character in fantasy, especially a modern fantasy series. And it doesn't fall into any of these tried and dare I say stale tropes of like parents in fantasy or they're either dead or die at the beginning but no Alana is she's she's not like the whole point of her character she's not defined by being a mother she's like the matriarch of a family and they're trying to survive and she's also her own voice and it's so strong and she's trying to like take care of a family while also feeling like she's got her own identity and is alive and doing her own thing. And it's just so interesting to watch the the story play out with her and Marco and then with all the other people in their world and their extended family and their friends. And it's just such a fresh modern voice that's brought to life by Brian K. Vaughn and by the illustrator Fiona Staples. It's just incredible. Yeah. So Alana. Yeah. That's that's a great choice there. I think that Beth Tabler will appreciate the <laughs> graphic novel and comic love too. And <laughs> it's uh, yeah. Now you make me want to give a shout out to Marjorie Liu and Sana Takeda. I don't think I mentioned them, but they're the uh, author and illustrator, respectively, of the Monstrous comics, which like highly recommend checking 
those out. Yeah, Micah, the um, protagonist in also great. Monstrous, is the great character too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's the kind of character that if it was a more typical fantasy world around them, I think I would gravitate toward Micah. But because the world is so grim dark, it is that like Kippa, Little Fox, she sticks out. Yeah, because, no, I think you made the right pick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, but they're both so great, and that's what it's. Yeah, the characters fantastic in both of those graphic novel and comic series. So thank you again, Beth. Um, thank you, Beth. Yeah. Shall we get to the next question? Let's do it. All right. So the Chronicler at Chronicler Blog posts a three-parter question or three separate questions here. Uh, they say, what are the best books to recommend to someone just getting into fantasy? Uh, now, if you were to go back to our first episode ever, which, which please don't. Yeah, we highly recommend not doing because, <laughs> you know, we needed a good hundred reps in before yeah. we could string together something more coherent than we, you know, than that first episode and just things from production value to structured conversation to experience so much better now. But we did in that episode talk about what we called the gateway mm-hmm. book recommendations and in that one we dropped uh you know Mistborn, magicians um those were our top two but dylan has that changed for you a hundred episodes later is there something you'd add to this list you know i think the the thing about these kind of recommendations is I frequently don't recommend the ones that we list in the gateway recommendations when people ask me when they're just trying to get into fantasy because the people who most likely are asking me that asking me that question are people I know in my personal life mm-hmm. and I know them as people yeah. and then I'm like you can I feel more like you would really taste. like this yeah. and I just had someone ask me this recently and uh, I I basically recommend to her to check out A Wizard of Earth Sea by Ursula K. Wow. Le Guin or the poppy war series by rf kwong and i was i recommend that because i just thought those would resonate for this person and you know i've had people i've even recommended like wheel of time which would not i mean i guess honestly that was a gateway for a lot of people so i don't know why it's hard to recommend something that's 14 books and yeah, yeah. Thousand pages but i you, agree i could recommend that and i miss born is like if i don't know anything else about you i i will recommend that because like it's hard to not really like Sanderson's work and Mistborn in particular is very like it's got a little bit of everything and it gives you a good taste of kind of what is going on in fantasy not like super super modern fantasy but like when people are thinking like fantasy you mean like elves and dwarves and all this kind of stuff like that's their image of it and then I'm like okay well if you read Mistborn you'll get a sense that it's not all that and you'll probably, I feel very confident you'll enjoy it. So that one's come up for sure. But I think it is like the best, my best recommendation to someone offering recommendations to someone just getting into fantasy is like recommend the to the person uh, more so than the book. And that might be different. Um, just as long, it's all about saying expectations. The one that I almost never recommend though, which is like my favorite is one of my favorites, right? Trying to be flexible, yeah. um, <laughs> is the first law. I because yeah. I, I think while we love that series, 
a lot of it involves this kind of like what's interesting about it is if you're genre savvy, like, and by that I mean just like you've read a lot of fantasy, um, you'll pick up on a lot of the things that Abercrombie's subverting. And otherwise, you might get this feeling. What do you say, Charles? Like, uh, through the woods and yeah. over uh, the river and through the woods, but no grandma's house. <laughs> yes. And it's like, that's kind of the point with Abercrombie in some ways. I won't get into the details, but yeah, I would say you... to fully appreciate Abercrombie, you'd need to be a fantasy fan just to appreciate what he, or at least experienced with like some of the modern fantasy tropes so that you can see exactly what like his love letter to the genre is you know in in, in those respects you can of course enjoy the story without any experience and if you're curious about it you should just read it but there is a like this meta component to it of the deliberate subversions that he chooses to make that would be entertaining for someone that was um you know more familiar with modern fantasy yeah we also said in a recent episode of like where to start with Brandon Sanderson, we were kind of coming around on Emperor's Soul as a good place to That's start because one. it's like it's like a night it's it's short but in as short of a, like it's a novella and it just jam packs a full Brandon Sanderson experience into this novella package, which for someone who's just looking for something to read in like a week or two weeks, something that they can read quickly, it's a great place to start as well. So yeah. I've also recommended the Broken Earth trilogy by N.K. Jemisin to some folks. That's Usually the more like, you know, I'm in a counseling psych PhD program and it's like pre-academic folks and N.K. Jemisin has a counseling background. So there's a lot of things I think folks who I mean deal with on a daily basis deal with. Like it's like hard to (laughs) meet and and have awesome interactions with that I really enjoy for anyone in my program listening. That is true. and a lot of those folks are interested in the kind of things that N.K. Jemisin explores, like power and uh, it's and oppression and things like that. That mm. you know, there's a reason N.K. Jemisin winning all those Hugo's. Oh, well said. I mean, that one's stuff. way up at the top of my TBR list, and you've pitched it before. And I think that was the one with um, Lies of Lacklamora and King Killer Chronicles. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but I would love to read that series and. That's a great one. The second question asked by the Chronicler at Chronicler Blog is, what are your most controversial Mm. fantasy book opinions? Now, this is interesting because I can actually answer this. Yes. um, (laughs) One of my controversial opinions is not reading Lies of Locke Lamora. Is that an opinion? uh, It's the, the, I guess the idea that I haven't read it is, isn't a, like this idea of, like putting it off and being like, I know enough about it that <laughs> I could talk about it. It's a bit <laughs> controversial. Another one is when we did our character tier lists and we put Lannis B tier as a character. <laughs> that was, that was I mean, controversial, yeah. but that was with, with love. And I get it. Land's cool. And there's a lot to like about land, but let's be honest here. Cause character arc B tier. Um, and then any other controversial, not so much controversial. I've just kind of put Terry Pratchett on ice for years and years and years. And I never thought I was someone who would really get into him too much. But the people over, the lovely people over at Fiction Fans are getting us to collaborate with them on an episode of with Weird Sisters uh, with Terry Pratchett. And we're going to be reading it. And I'm looking forward to it. And I'm keeping an open mind about it. But, yeah, I think if people were like, oh, you kind of 
been avoiding Terry Pratchett. I feel like there's a lot of hardcore Pratchett fans out there that yeah um, would consider that controversial. Yeah. No, I mean, you you took an interesting approach to this, Charles, because we actually have evidence of the things <laughs> that we've said that then have gotten the biggest reaction. And it's like, it doesn't feel like it's what Chronicler was probably looking for to be like, Lan is good, but not great. Like, it's like the most controversial opinion for Charles. But weirdly, it's one of the things that has gotten on social media the most, like, stirred the most controversy for whatever reason. Putting Lan Um, in B tier really was. People were like, Lan is A tier easy. S. A lot of people were saying S. S, I I will never put Lan in S tier. Sorry, but... (laughs) Look, you can put Lan in S tier. That's your right. Uh, but not in my tier list. <laughs> yeah. He's a sword guy. He's cool, but it you could take away the sword and yeah, yeah, whatever. What's left? What's left? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to get into but I yeah, I So I'm thinking about this too for me if we're just saying like consequences of the things I've said, what is most controversial? somehow like number one is this kind of joint thing where i like i don't like tree beard and i don't like loyal it's like that's probably the thing that i have stirred the most controversy around so that's from the wheel of time is loyal character who said tells people not to be hasty and it feels maybe a little bit derivative of a character from uh, the lord of the rings named treebeard who also tells people not to be hasty i have a reputation for some hastiness perhaps and i feel invalidated by those two telling me not to be hasty and I don't know. They've just never worked for me. It's like it started as a meme, I think, but now it's like one of those things that it's like, oh, Dylan hates loyal and, and that people talk about. <laughs> I think probably my other, th- and then in terms of a, and Elaine too is another one that people like talk about that I like Elaine. Yeah, you defending like, Elaine it was kind of controversial. Wheel of Time. Yeah. Yeah. And then probably root- the other thing is Denna. Like, <laughs> like that. Yeah, all of our just doing... having an opinion about King Killer puts you in controversy because just the right. people have so many passionate opinions on both sides of all of these discussions that um, it's easy to get caught up in it. But you dig in. You've you've got you've got your opinions, and and we've made them heard several times on the show, and several more times in the future as we continue to do the show. I'm sure. <laughs> But yeah. yeah, that's a good one though. I I'm with you on the whole Denna situation. Yeah, I mean, basically the opinion is like Denna is a good character, <laughs> uh, and that and that I've the said relation- a lot more to yeah. try to justify that that I won't get into the details. Of I mean, here, we have an episode called "In very... Defense of Denna," yeah. so you can go watch that. <laughs> yes, and you know, I think I think I've been met with mostly okay things but people people have strong hatred toward denna and it's sometimes hard for me to deal with i'm also the other thing is i'm not like a big i don't care as much as some other people about things like world building and even plot obviously i care about plot um but not as much as some other people like i'm super character focused so i don't know i think like that i barely 
I don't care much about world building. But that hasn't been, like, I'll say that over and over again, and I feel like that's controversial, and maybe if I was super, like, strong about, like, <laughs> but I, I, it's also like I don't, I think that it's, like, a big approach for me with these kind of things is, like, I rarely care at all, not care, that's not the way to put it, like, I, I'm totally okay with other people having their own opinions about all of these things. Like if you love loyal, like I don't understand it, but I respect it. Like, <laughs> and I think that's kind of why, I don't know. Like I want to give Chronicler something here. I want to give something to get fired up. The only thing people have really gotten fired up about from me, I feel like is not liking loyal and tree bear. I think when you frame things as like, I don't like, I, like you can think whatever you want. That's fine. Yeah. That's I true. think this, most people don't like, you can say almost <laughs> anything then that's not like hateful. Yeah. And I hope I haven't said anything like hateful on the podcast. I don't think I have. And then usually people respect it. So I, I don't know, like my most controversial opinions, I guess, like in terms of literally stirring controversy is probably like loyal tree beard, Elaine, uh, and then Denna, like just things I think about them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we're we're pretty open to hearing other people's you know sides of things, and we're willing to accept them. But land B tier, obviously, get out of here with the S tier. Never gonna happen. <laughs> that's the one thing. <laughs> so, that's also not so let's get to the next question here, uh, which is which series would you make a show for, and who plays the main? Wow, wow. That might be a pin in it episode like that's an episode, yeah that's I an think. episode i will say i think the first law is overdue and needs its time i get yeah it's challenging but it can be done with someone that really cares and understands the source material of the first law it can be done and it would be incredibly good but it's difficult not a challenge to be taken lightly the other one we've talked about is mistborn um I think Mistborn's overdue, but that could be a movie yeah, instead underway. of a show. Yeah, it's moving. I mean, that's like King Killer would be a big one for me. I'd have to think. Like, that's why I think it's like put a pin in it for an episode because like Fair. I don't know who would play Quoth. That's a very important thing. Who would play Denna? Who would play like? But King Killer Chronicle by Patrick Rothfuss. It's obviously there's been rumblings about that and things like that. I'd love to see that one. First Law, and uh, you know Rebecca Kwong's popular again is like yeah. We're getting that too. There's action being taken. So yeah. most of them, I feel like there's at least been rumblings. But first law, it's so hard to capture that tone, I think, without Abercrombie's prose and voice and all the internal musings. That That's a hard one. But if you could guarantee it was good, that might be it. But to, in terms of the cast, I don't know. I, I'd love to do an episode on that, Charles. Yeah, we could have episodes of casting different different series as sure you know like that could be a thing we can try like oh casting a mistborn movie or oh casting yeah. a first law show like we could like we could try those yeah yeah so thank Thanks you for, for that idea question. Yeah. yeah thank you yeah all right shall we go on to Let's the next question do it. next question comes from at fancy book nerd which is fancy book nerd who i lovingly call fbn <laughs> and FBN asks, if you put Joe Abercrombie and Brandon Sanderson in a cage fight, with the winner being the only books that you could read for the rest of your life, who would you put your money on to win? Hmm. 
So I have my idea of who I think would actually win in the cage fight between the two. (laughs) And that's where I would put my money because I want to make money. And I would put it on Joe Abercrombie because I've seen his vlogs. Okay, I've seen I've seen the biceps peeking out of those polos. (laughs) So I I have a feeling that he would do well in a cage match uh, based on strength. Yeah, I also think it's like Abercrombie. I feel like. I mean, this as a compliment to Brandon Sanderson, too. I feel like Brandon Sanderson would play very fair. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like Abercrombie, a man who's written a lot of characters we won't go into detail about here, but we've talked a lot about who (laughs) don't all play fair. Like, Abercrombie would probably do whatever it took to win a cage match. And I think he's also probably compared to Sanderson, who's probably the biggest... I mean, he's got to be, right? The biggest name in fantasy right he's now. definitely I mean, one of the most prolific, most best-selling fantasy authors of, right. like, this year, the past five years. Like, he's killing it. Yeah. Take George out of it. Like, George R. R. Martin's still probably, if you just grab someone on the street and say, like, most famous living fantasy author. Yeah. Name a George, fantasy author but... that's not Tolkien. <laughs> it's like, uh. Yes, George. <laughs> yeah. So, but in terms of, like, who's putting stuff out and, in the fantasy community, who are people talking about? It's probably Sanderson is at the top there. And I think that Abercrombie might have a chip on his shoulder too, which adds to this, mm, like he's going to show up ready to just like, like and Sanderson's like, ah, maybe we can talk this out. He seems like a really, really nice guy. And I don't know Joe Abercrombie that well. He seems nice too, but I also think he'd be willing to play dirty. <laughs> just based off so the character. My money's on Joe. Surprised. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And you know, who could you read for the rest of your life? I mean, I would hate to lose either of these authors. Um, and you're losing, like, on a book-by-book basis, I would say, while I love both Sanderson's books and Abercrombie's books, I, I definitely would say I enjoy Abercrombie's books on a book-by-book basis more. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're missing out with Sanderson if you if you lose this one on so many more books. I, you know, he's just published so many more than almost... Than uh, the vast majority of people, including Joe Abercrombie, yeah, so it'd be a shame to lose either. Oh yeah, that's that's tough. But if I was gonna bet my hard-earned money, I'd put it on who I think was gonna win, and I'd have to give it to Joe for all the reasons you said. Yeah, <laughs> it would be and sad gotta... though. I like either way, we're losing, right? <laughs> yeah, and we got a follow-up question from at JC Kang eight hundred four JC Kang. Who would we want? to win or whose books do we think we'd be reading okay so who would we want to win i don't know i want them to yeah i don't want any i don't want them to fight (laughs) for me i'd want them both to win (laughs) i'd want it to be there like you know what we can both like be writing books that people can read whenever they want and like yay so that's the the unfortunate thing about it but yeah they have different reasons like if i wanted just to know i was gonna have like a couple books every year to read than like Sanderson and they were all be great books. Sanderson. If I want someone who's writing to like my specific weird tastes of dry humor and emphasis on character, then Joe. So it cha- like, it's hard to say, take your pick yeah. from that. I think yeah. we're ready for the next question. All right. Well, the next question is from fiction fans. Podcast oh, great. Again, which means Sarah, probably it, Maybe the answer to this is self-evident, 
But if you could have any author on as a guest, let's make it interesting and say alive or dead, who would it be and why? I have a surprising, well, I don't know uh, with what we've talked about already, but I have an answer that people might not expect from me. I have it in my brain. Yeah. Ursula K. Yeah, that's what I thought you were going to say, just based on how you were setting me up. Yeah, exactly. Like, once I started. Because, I mean, first off, like, there's all these interviews currently happening. Like, who else would I say? Like, uh, yeah, maybe Patrick Rothfuss comes to mind as someone I'd love to have a conversation with and, like, pick his brain, that kind of stuff. And Joe Abercrombie and Brandon Sanders, right? We'd imagine if we could ever be in a place where any of those people would want to talk to us. That would be incredible. And all of that being said, like, I think I would learn the most from a conversation with Ursula K. Le Guin based on how much wisdom there was in a wizard of Earthsea. And I've read some quotes and stuff from Mm -hmm. her and she just seems so with so much to teach. And I would want to learn her understanding of fantasy as a genre is just so unique in like all the like we love all these different fantasy authors but for some reason ursula has been sticking out for us and it comes back to this idea of like her book very purposely doesn't have like wars or battles or politics it's very introspective and using fantasy as a way to explore that is somehow even though this book was written in the late 60s it it feels so unique and fresh now and so that's i i think is what we're getting out of like why she would be super interesting because you're having like this out of the box fantasy conversation with her and that would just be super interesting that's a great choice i mean there's all the classics i'd love to talk to rothfuss i think would be super entertaining and insightful sanderson is just so forthcoming with his knowledge and his experiences that i think i would learn so much from picking his brain i think he'd be so generous with his knowledge that i would love to talk to him abercrombie you know of course we'd love to talk to abercrombie he's someone that just for us specifically would be such a great great choice and i would love to also speak with brian k vaughn who wrote saga i have so many questions i feel like he's one that's under interviewed you know you like you can find tons of Mm. interviews and knowledge of all of these authors and they've all gone on youtube and have their own youtube channels and i've talked about all these things and like george r R. martin's been on late night like all these things but like i've been hunting for saga or you know just any of brian k vaughn's work just like trying to learn more about him and his influences and it's kind of tricky and i feel like i'd have a lot of really interesting questions for him that i really want i genuinely have questions for brian k vaughn that i would love to get answers to so that's why he snuck onto the list as well wow yeah are you gonna pick which one charles do you pick one do i pick one? Oh, yeah. so your one pick was ursula was ursula k Le Guin. that's who i would i was that wasn't copping out with oh i would love to like i'm serious i would choose ursula k Le Guin as the one author if i could choose one author living or dead to have uh i guess was it just uh on as a guest I mean, uh, as a guest on FTF, it sort of brings all this other stuff. But it, I guess if I was just a one-on-one conversation 
with me, I would I would choose to have that conversation with Ursula K. Le Guin. Yeah. On FTF is, I guess, a little bit of a different question, but I'm still choosing Ursula. She's no, I think uh, she'd be, still be great for that. Yeah, picking someone like alive or dead, like so you can interview like Tolkien too, which is, you could, <laughs> which oh, is wow. an interesting choice. That would get a lot of downloads. That episode. <laughs> oh yeah, Charles, that, it's hard like, for you from the marketing Tolkien. perspective. Yeah. <laughs> Questions from the grave, J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, yeah, that'd be cool too. Yeah, those are all great choices. Um, so, moving. You gotta. You didn't pick one. I have to pick one. Uh, I think you have to pick someone that's dead. I think you have to just enter. You. I would be. But then the thing is, like, can you ask them, like, what do you think about the modern stuff? Are they gonna have time to learn? Like, yeah. Let's just say yes. Don't. Okay then. Think Tolkien, although I've heard some of his wow. interviews, and you know they're they're not, you know they're whatever. So I don't know how I'd feel about it. He, he's not like well known for being the most like engaging guy in conversation. So, but I, I think you just got to put respect on the name Tolkien. You know. All right, you put respect on the name, Charles. So That's right. Let's so go let's, ahead. Yeah, let's go ahead. No, I'm ready for the next question. I'm just trying to you know navigating this twitter thread is more difficult for me than it is for you so i'm trying to figure out right, <laughs> what our I next question it. is thank you next question from from comes from curly at sarah curly whirly and the question is if you this is an interesting one if you could pit any fancy characters against each other in the thunderdome who will you choose in addition if you're choosing a female character is she going to take on another woman or is she going up against a male character hmm. so we so did d- this basically two? we did, did the we? we we did the wizard battle royale which is they no, went but that's the thunderdome they go in only one comes out that's the but is that if you could pit any fancy characters i was thinking one on okay that's yours then charles i'm gonna say mine but okay, well we 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 put it was Moraine, Gandalf, Baez, and Dumbledore into the Thunderdome, and so I guess that's a combination <laughs> of male and female characters, and and we gave it to Baez, but you know Moraine, Gandalf, they were close seconds. Spo- yeah, spoilers, but yeah, you can go check yeah, it out. We, we had a Twitter episode. poll actually, and Gandalf yeah. won the Twitter poll, but. We think Bias would win. For, and you'd have to see how that plays out in the episode. But. <laughs> Charles that's the was most very part. descriptive yeah. in how he thought it would play out. Yeah, you were too. I was uh, not as descriptive as you, Charles. I was <laughs> a little horrified, but entertained for sure, which is, I hey, guess, exactly what me. you'd expect. I was, I was from just channeling the characters. <laughs> you channeled everything very well. Thank you. Was, uh, so, yeah, okay. I was thinking just, two characters although that i don't think that's specified here but that's what came to mind and i'm picking from the first law in one corner logan the bloody nine nine fingers mm-hmm. all right great and line. in the other corner i'm picking rin from rebecca kwong's mm. poppy war yeah, and I do not, and you know, I do have a male character against a female character. I think that I do not know who would win that yeah. one. Without getting into spoilers, I'd yeah. say there are supernatural abilities yes. in play that favor one character heavily over the other. Yes, and that's happened to. Oh, this is such a <laughs> we'll better conversation for spoiler. Maybe but... open it to a Twitter poll or something. But yeah, yes, that's that's there it. are. 
the odds have been stacked against the other character before with supernatural elements and they've they've yeah, figured it out. That's true. That's true. But uh I still stand by my choice. I <laughs> Yeah. But we can talk about that in a spoiler zone in another episode sure. maybe one day. It's a great question, though. But, yeah, I th- I thought Thunderdome from Mad Max is a bunch of people go in. That is – yeah, I guess that's And then true, they right? say pit any fantasy characters against each other, too. So Well, that but could be It two. could be one-on-one, and that's an interesting – that's an interesting matchup. So it's a great – Yeah, premise. well – we answered it both ways, so hopefully uh, one of those at least is satisfying for Sarah Curly Whirly. All right. Great. Let's, yeah. The next up comes from Eleni Argaro, and uh, that is at Eleni underscore Argaro. And she asks, what is, do you think, an aspect of the SFF environment and community that doesn't get spoken of enough? An elephant mm. in the room, if you will. And I, uh, Eleni likes chaos. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a question yes. that lends itself to chaos. <laughs> yeah. And you I told to, Eleni, I have, yeah, I'm more engaged with the community. This is the, the first time I'm hearing this social, question, yeah. so I'm feeling kind of, nervous so if you've thought about it you can you can go for it yeah (laughs) i thought about it and i i spoke to laney about this question i know she wants chaos to ensue and i'll i do you want chaos to ensue asking dylan is the wrong person (laughs) (laughs) dylan's fantastic at at defusing these Yeah, I'd like to think I have a, which is a compliment. You know, it's to all, you. <laughs> I like to think so. Like, I like to think I say my opinion, but just surround it in enough. You know, it's okay. You can think of you think of this whatever you want, but and then I say it. So that's my that's what I go for. And here, I don't even have something that's like I don't even need all that because I I actually think that the elephant in the room in the community out on like book Twitter and things like that is. We, I think we have a tendency to almost uh, like like present a very one-sided view of what it's like to be someone who like creates content about books or like tweet likes fantasy books a lot, even if you're not a content creator or whatever. Like to be involved in this community, we almost I don't know if you like me using this word on here, Charles, but like fetishize. Hmm books and like reading and things like that to a point where it's like we all like I love reading and stuff too and I think that like sometimes it's like it's also okay to sometimes feel especially when you're creating content and having to get stuff done by deadlines basically and things like that to like sometimes not be enjoying it as much and it's like I don't see a lot of sometimes you see people talking about like reading slumps or like I'm having trouble getting into stuff but I feel like that's happening a lot more often for people is like they feel pressured to like this and I'll let me speak for me like uh, I like the overwhelming majority of the stuff we've read on here we've read lots of amazing books mm-hmm. and even with the most amazing books sometimes having to like get stuff done in two weeks is if, like if it's a really big book or whatever it's like it can feel like work sometimes and no one wants to talk on like the sff community or whatever about like 
oh, like I have to crank out another like 200 pages of this before the podcast. And like, it is going to feel like work because this is not the rate I would read it if I was just having fun with it. And that yeah. happens to me. It does. And then I come in and I talk to you about the 200 pages and I realize how awesome it was and I get passionate. I get excited. Like, oh, yeah. And then this thing happened. Wasn't that cool? But there are times where it feels like work and it's okay for it to feel like work. Nothing's going to just be all fun and all passion all the time. And I guess I the elephant in the room is like no one's like no one would tweet that. Like no one would tweet <laughs> like I have another 200 pages of book X to read. And I feel like I wouldn't read it this fast if I didn't have to <laughs> do a thing. And I'm kind of like bored and that kind of stuff is like but that happens even with amazing books and if stuff's going on yeah. in your life too you can feel burned out and that's normal it's okay yeah that's the elephant that's room. true and i think that just comes from the nature of how these environments are created right like we're like people that want to talk about for example like uh wheel of time because they have a very active community it's like well these yeah. are people who uh, love wheel of time king killer these are people who have very passionate um opinions about king killer and when you're targeting like when you're trying to communicate with these people with, with these groups directly and maybe some things you are more lukewarm on these communities are enthusiast groups so they're enthusiastic yeah. about everything so having to have that conversation of like hey i can see like how someone with these kind of values would love these moments, but you know, I'm just trying to get through it to get to these moments that fit my, you know, tastes mm -hmm. more like having to have that qualifier constantly is important, but yeah, it's also can get you know, a little exhausting, but it's great because there's so many different passionate communities out here that are so much fun to engage with. Like we have no problems just going out there, defending Denna, putting land in B tier and, and having that discussion. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think part of being passionate about something in a realistic way is knowing that that passion will wax and wane over time and like yeah you know i'm here i have bringing enough to have hours of conversation every week with yeah. you charles about yeah, yeah, yeah. this stuff i love it but it's like i just want people to be more okay with talking about the times where they're not feeling like they're loving it because life gets busy and you don't you don't want your hobby and your reading like we do this for fun we're not making any money or anything like that off of this we're just doing it and like sometimes though it can feel like work and that's okay and oh the other thing too is like it's okay to stop reading a book at any time yeah like, uh, that's another like uh, but i don't know people talk about that more um Great. yeah Great. i don't know so there uh, we go thank you for the question uh who asked that question remind me again Eleni. Eleni, thank you so much for that question. Okay, I, I found our place, so I can read the next question. And this question comes from Benjamin at Literature and Lo-Fi. Hey, Ben, let's see here what you're going to ask me. <laughs> also, which books besides <laughs> The Lies fight. of Locke Lamora? Here we go. Because we know Charles clearly just does not <laughs> want to read it. Okay. <laughs> Have you guys been putting off but know you need to get around to reading? Great question and to get i have saga on the brain now we're deliberately putting off saga until the next volume gets announced like the release date for it so that's an obvious one for me something like way at the top of my tbr that's not lock lamora because benjamin obviously lock lamora is 
number one on my TBR. Mm. But the other books that are up there are Stormlight Archives by Brandon Sanderson. Uh, the Fifth Season, as Dylan had mentioned, is another yeah. one that's way, way up there. Um, you know, We've got 12 books of Wheel of Time to read. I really want Dylan to read Robin Hobbs. So those are the ones that I would say. Well, I've read one. Yeah, I want you to read the whole trilogy and talk about yeah. it with you on the show. Yes, I'd love to do that too. I think that, you know, Charles, you've done a very good job during the run of this podcast of getting rid of the things that were a better job than I have of uh, <laughs> I eliminating know, it's the like gaps I've in my targeting just what would be best for you and supporting you and putting those books That's a really there. nice thing to do for a friend. Yeah, um, <laughs> I appreciate that for sure. And I think that, yeah, now I've read The Lord of the Rings. I hadn't read that going into the start of the podcast. And then Wheel of Time was the other one that I was putting up forever. Now we're reading that. And so it's getting harder to answer this question. And I think maybe this is a cop out, but it started to be, it started to be Rhythm of War, like the fourth Stormlight book. If it, uh, yeah. if I can just answer which books, I guess I can say Stormlight Archive book four. Yeah. Cause that one's I, the New York Times yeah. bestseller right now. Like that's, the most current trendy thing in, in terms of like publicity and what's on sale right now. That's new stormlight is oh. it right now. Oh, okay. I'll say John Gwynn's work comes to mind as like mm. my, Oh one of the things yeah. That's like that's how, great. yeah, though, but that's one that we're going to, we won't get back to the faithful and the fallen yet, though. That's in our plans to get to at some point when it makes sense with our schedule, all those kind of things. Um, so that I think John Gwynn's work is, I don't feel like I'm like putting it off per se. Um, but because we will be reading the shadow of the gods next month. So it's like, we'll, we'll start reading John Gwynn. We're very excited, excited. His work has received so much praise by so many people that, I just can't wait to get into it. So right. those will be my two, yeah. Great. Thank you, Benjamin, for the question. Appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I think we're ready to move on to the next question. All right. We've got a few questions from Shauna Lawless at Shauna L. Wrights. Uh, first one is most anticipated book of 2021. Um, for me, The mm. Wisdom of Crowds by Joe Abercrombie yeah, I was gonna is say, up there. It's got to be Wisdom The of Shadow Crowds. of the Gods by John Gwynn. So yeah. that kind of sagged I easy, I think. Agree. Are yep. you in the same? I agree. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I'll give some... Yeah. I'll, I'll give a shout-out, too, to a book I've been seeing a lot of like, awesome stuff about, which is She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan. And that looks really interesting. It's, uh, yeah, a reimagining of the rise of the founding emperor of the Ming dynasty. Um, I just heard some really amazing things about this one. So shout out to that. But cool. yeah, those are, are on my mind. Next question, if you're good, Charles. Next yeah, question great. is book you'd most like to see a TV slash movie ad adaptation for and then followed it up with part two or question two part B. If you had to cast your favorite characters in this adaptation, who would they be? I think we'll mm, this is probably a question we've gotten yeah. already. Yeah, put a pin First in Laura that. Mistborn, just off the bat, put a pin in it though. 
we need to i think we need to adjust this question in its own episode (laughs) i agree and yeah we'll look to credit shauna and um uh, that was it peter who asked that uh, previous question that yes probably (laughs) i don't know well sorry not navigate this twitter thread (laughs) (laughs) well if it wasn't then we'll we'll make sure to credit if we do end up doing an episode on that which i think we will at some point then we'll credit both folks who asked this and then next up is again from shauna a book you'd like to give a shout out because it's currently under loved yeah I okay you got an answer for this one Dylan yeah I my auto answer to this one you you probably know where I'm going here I Charles so. is Robert V.S. Reddick's Chatherine Voyage Quartet as one of the first series I've talked about this so much I feel like I'm repeating myself when I bring it up all the time but it's like it's a new new question and way of framing it it's underloved and I think that most of the folks that I've, you know, Blaze from Under the Radar Books has read this series and really liked it. And uh, there's talks about a read-along at some point with us in Under the Radar Books of Chatherine Voyage Quartet. One of the first series that I read. So, uh, I mean, I'm interested to look back years later. But Robert V.S. Reddick, super nice guy on Twitter. And this book series just for some reason like slipped through the cracks but great epic fantasy takes place on this like giant boat seal of the world and characters that grow a lot all this kind of stuff so that sticks out also yeah. uh daughter of Flynn fury by levi jacobs yeah, that's a good one yeah. <laughs> that's a good one yeah daughter of Flood and fury for sure i'm really excited to read chatherine voyage so you've sold me on that one multiple times and we've had this kind of um, this like underserved, like under underloved book discussion before. And I've said heroes die, and yeah. it's kind of developing this cult following. There's a bit of an underground movement going for this one. I've heard some sure. mumblings on Twitter. I've gotten to like weigh in on my heroes die takes recently, which was kind of fun. And yeah, I think this one would be great for modern audiences. It's so like it's it's themes on violence and entertainment and like male relationships is so poignant and interesting and i think this book needs another chance and needs to be read with a more like capital l literature lens cuz yes there's a lot of cool yeah. just action yeah. and like surface level fantasy schlock but there's also a little bit more under the surface there so uh, heroes die would be my choice my go-to. Yeah, that's a good call. That's one that's definitely showing up. And now you're right, Charles. It's got this narrative around it of like more people need to go back and check this out because it was ahead of its time in a lot of ways. It's got this like sci-fi fantasy yeah. blend, which mm-hmm. is popular now in other folks' works. Like Mark Lawrence comes to mind as someone who uses, you know, he writes fantasy, but some sci-fi elements uh, get involved. And then yeah also this like grim dark like action-packed stuff going on some high fantasy element it's just a very interesting series so that's a great call thank you Charles. all right yeah the next um the next question that we have that i see is from on wednesdays we read 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. their question is, what is the one question you'd ask Patrick Rothfuss that he would have to answer? Yeah. Well, first off, I, I want to give a, a shout. I've had some exchanges with On Wednesdays We Read. They're a podcast who are doing episodes on the Wheel of Time uh, right now. And wow. <laughs> they're doing awesome stuff. I highly recommend uh, checking them out. They're newer to the scene than we are. Uh, I think a lot of folks will enjoy what they're doing over there. So shout out to Laura and Hannah, who are the co-hosts over there. And they're asking this because this is probably from Hannah, uh, who I've had some exchanges with about uh, the Kingler Chronicle and, and Denna. So, yeah, if I could ask one thing, I maybe this is a tease at this point. Like, I assume have to answer means like have to answer truthfully. Is that how you're thinking? Yeah, I think you'd have to this, give an accurate answer. Yeah, I think so too. Like, because Rothfuss, the thing about Rothfuss and having to answer things is he's he gives answers all the time in interviews to questions that would be right up like right along the lines of what I would want him to, what I would want to ask, but he steps around, you know how he is. He's like, and I say this as lovingly, like he's one of my favorite authors. And I, I think he's a, seems like a, like a really awesome dude and really caring. I, I know Pete, that's maybe one of my other controversial opinions is like Rothfuss seems nice. And I hope he has uh, as much time as he needs to finish the book and get it the way he wants. So there, there's some controversy, Crockler. <laughs> That's true. So, but he dances around questions because he's Patrick Rothfuss, and you know we like to say he likes to imply more than he explies. Um, if he had to answer my question and answer it like truthfully and not dance around it, I would ask him a question that I've thought about us doing an episode on, mm-hmm. which is. What is the King Killer Chronicle about? Oh, yeah, yeah, we've been because I don't think reflecting yeah. on that for a while. And I would ask it like he has to answer this truthfully. I'm assuming, and I would try to ask it like thematically. What is the King Killer Chronicle about? Like, because I don't want to give him that out of like it's about a guy in a uh, in an inn named Coat. It's like no. What is this story you're telling about? And I feel like knowing that answer wouldn't spoil things for me, but it would give me a lot of like interesting new ways to frame reading what's already out there and to consider what we might get in book three without knowing any of the actual answers themselves. And Rothfuss loves asking questions, I think, more than he likes providing answers. Like the questions are more interesting. Yeah. And I think like this is an answer that would raise a lot of questions. Like, okay, given it's about this, what is he going to do with the Quoth and Denna relationship? How is he going, who's going to be the king that he kills? Right. All these kind of things. Right. Mm -hmm. No, that's a great question. And one that we have been exploring for an episode of our own. Yeah. That's a great choice. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. So thank you. On Wednesdays, we read. Yeah, and that's at O-W-W-R-Pod. So let's keep rolling here. We've got a question from Dan Fitzgerald at Dan Fitzwrites, and he's an author. And we got the question, what 
default accent do you imagine fantasy characters speaking in when you were reading? Which is a very interesting. I mentioned he's a writer in part because I was like, I feel like that's something that a writer would start thinking about like while they're writing. It's like, what are people going to be like thinking in their heads? And I don't know, Charles, if you, this might be your first time seeing this question. If it is, I'll, I'll yeah, go Yeah, my brain kind of had to stop for a second and like jumpstart itself. I'm like, what accent do you imagine yeah. fantasy characters speaking in when you are reading? Um, unless it's specifically mentioned, I would just go with my own accent, which is like that's what I was gonna Eastern say. American. <laughs> well, Long Island accent. <laughs> it's like every yeah, character. Yeah, we don't have like those like medieval Long European settings, accents, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, it's like our like coffee. Yeah. <laughs> we A little, sometimes, thick. if I'm not focusing. It's like I'm not pronouncing my words, uh, or maybe I've had a few beverages. Uh, and yeah, see, I, I moved to Long Island when I was like seven or eight, so I and my son and my parents I forgot about that. Accents, yeah, so I so I escaped some of that. But yeah, the accent that I'm speaking to you now, and it's kind of like my neutral, like neutral inner dialogues that I'm reading. In sometimes certain characters just jump off the page, and you get a sense of like this guy might have a witty English accent, or this guy yeah. might have a boisterous Scottish accent, or or something like that. But for the most part, I picture it in my own in my own accent. Right. Yeah. When I'm reading, it's basically I don't know if this is what it's like for you, then Charles. Maybe it is based on what you're saying. It's basically just my like internal monologue reading me an audiobook. Yeah, I'm not like doing voices in my head when yeah. I'm reading a book, you know. I'm not reading it and thinking Scottish accent or anything like that. I'm just reading it and thinking like here's what they're saying and I'm processing the information. I'm not putting like a voice to them usually. Um it's like Breeze and Mistborn that world up though. Yeah. Yeah, Breeze, Breeze and Mistborn. He's always like my dear uh, my dear lad or whatever. I don't know if that's exactly what he says, but it's like my dear boy. Uh, <laughs> and then I start being like, okay, like now it sounds British to me when you're saying that. So like, yeah, those kind of things can trigger something, but default is my accent as well. Yeah. Really interesting. Something I have not thought about, but Neither. I read books all the time and I never thought about what accent I was giving them. So thank you for that thought. Uh, Dan Fitz writes. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Moving right Next along. Up is Jack Shelton at J Shelton 89 asks, since a lot of fantasy cultures are based on past real world ones and time periods, which culture slash civilization would you like to see used as an inspiration more than it currently is? Mm. It's a very thoughtful question. Yeah. This feels like, like we're, I don't know how well you and I will do with this, Charles, but uh, Rebecca Kwong has answered this question very, like, yeah, uh, eloquently. Kwong, yeah, yeah. So. Kwong did a great job with taking her insight and knowledge about Asian history and, and being like, look, I wanted to read fantasy novels about using Asian history as an inspiration, and they didn't really exist, so I wrote the story I wanted to read. And that's how Poppy War was born, and I had so much, like, respect for that, and that gives the book so much insight. Um, so like those kinds of stories are always super, super fun. Like, yeah. Right. And that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from here along lines. You're just talking about Charles. I hope this doesn't sound like a, a cop out Jack, but it is how I feel about this. Uh, honestly, is like, I, I, 
I'm more interested in folks like telling stories about their own, like what they're passionate about and their own cultures and these kind of things in a way that speaks to those authors. And you can see that, like Charles was saying, like Rebecca Kwong's very passionate about the topics that she explores in her work, which has parallels to Chinese history and relationships with Japan and all this kind of stuff. And she knows so much about it. That's like, I would never want to be like, well, I don't know. I, I I want to see stuff about basically any culture. And I love to see when folks are like from that culture and or passionate about and educate on that culture. And I want to see people like tell their own stories and speak from that place. So I, I guess I, cause I don't, nothing springs to mind immediately where I was like, no one's doing stories about Mesopotamia. Like, go do Mesopotamia. <laughs> like, sure, if you like Mesopotamia and that speaks to you, then then well, I would be very know, interested. The in author that. that probably asks himself this question all the time is Guy Gavril Kay. Guy yes. Gavril Kay, I think, starts with inspiration for a setting and then does an insane amount of research and creates these beautiful stories. So for like Tigana, he did tons of research about the Mediterranean uh, and the history around the Mediterranean. And that setting is so unique. I'm like, have I ever read a fantasy book that's inspired by like ancient Italy? Like, I don't know if I have. And, and that brought a lot of life to the story. He did the same thing with Under Heaven where he went in and researched Asian poets and put and and um a very specific dynasty in China that I'm forgetting now, but he did tons of research and, and brought those mm -hmm. characters to life with the guise of, of that setting. So if I was thinking like, okay, which one would I want Guy Gavril K to do next? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's uh, I, I would love to see him do something with a more of like a seafaring uh, nation. I just love boats and water and stuff. Oh, and, you might like those kind of the second book in think, a... In what? You might like the second book in the Gentleman Bastard series. I don't know if you've heard of that one. It begins with The Lies of Locke Mora, but the second book is called Red Seas Under Red Skies, and that's a seafaring one. Yeah, so I I feel like I haven't read a lot of those. I know Chathryn Voyage takes place on a boat as well. So yes! I just gotta actually, actually, I just have to read some of these. Um, I also love Musicians, which is why I like Tigana, and I appreciated a lot of what was going on in the King Killer Chronicles. Um, but Tigana does a great job of going through like musical troops and things. So I, I love that as well when someone can write a convincing musician character. So those kind of cultures are super interesting too. But yeah, I'm with you. You, you want the author to write what's inspiring them in the moment. But sometimes if I'm looking at a bookshelf and I can tell that something has a setting that interests me like if i saw poppy war and i looked at it and you see that beautiful cover that is inspired yeah. by like classic asian like ink art and then you look on the back and you're like oh here's someone who's dedicated their lives to researching like chinese history and is now writing a fantasy book it's like okay i i can get behind that so yeah you know it's certain settings jump at me and just like thinking about Tigana and the Mediterranean and how fun that was and musicians and boats and things, maybe like a, a seafaring musical troupe. Let's write that story. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, I'll give this a try. <laughs> Sounds different. Yeah, sure. So that's interesting. Yeah. Thanks for the question. I, yeah, appreciate it. And we asked a similar question to Mark Lawrence, uh, I think like, what do you want me to see more of? And Oh, he gave your initial answer. He... Where it's like, write whatever you think is going to be good at the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I, 
I want to do better on this. I'm going to think about it, Jack, and maybe I'll send you a tweet after I've done more reflecting if I can think of like a culture that inspires me because I, I hate providing like uh, what you not did that a I've... great job. We we Thanks. we answered the question and we can always we revisit it. But thank you, thank you, Jack, for the question. And let's get on. The, to the next, next one. question will probably be easier, I think, and it comes from Maggie at. Maggie, I apologize if I pronounce your last name wrong, Maggie. Uh, at Maggie Wurze, W-U-E-R-Z-E. Oh, it could be like Wurz or something. Wurz? Maybe. W-U-E-R-Z. Uh, yeah. Maggie. I might touch base with Maggie, both to apologize and uh, <laughs> check in for next time. Um, all right. So Maggie asks, ninjas or pirates? Pirates. And pirates. Pirates. Yeah. Pirates. pirates. I basically oh, respo- I, see I responded response. with a <laughs> yeah with a jack sparrow gift so yeah that should show where i stand um i agree it's yeah. gotta be pirates and I, I was just talking about seafaring adventures so give me a break here pirates all the way and jack sparrow is an awesome character and those that's that why movie i picked, is so much yeah. fun and all the swashbuckling adventures they get on i haven't read or watched a ninja story that was as captivating as some of these pirate stories so that's for me too i'm holding out if you guys know of a good ninja story out there send it my way i'm open to it but just from what i've experienced it's been pirates all the way it's got to be right it is a contra this is like a big question that people ask and lots of people have different opinions on it but i'm with you charles on kind of my story influences on these two topics pirates immediately jumps out as all these examples of oh i love stories about this and jack captain jack sparrow's already in my head as soon as i hear the word pirate (laughs) and it's hard for me not to choose pirate but it's an interesting question maggie you just got the wrong two people who (laughs) who we're pretty decided yeah (laughs) yeah but thank you for asking and now the now everybody knows it's out there we're pirate people so next one comes from the green team podcast uh at green team pod and they asked if you had the power to faithfully adapt any sff book series to film which would you choose and why (laughs) and i think this is one that we okay 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 yeah dylan let's commit right here and now on the 100 episode special to record an episode or maybe a series called uh adapting blank and let's just start doing this this is like the third time this question's been asked how can we not give this the attention it deserves and shout these people out and dedicate if not an episode a series to this question i like it too charles i will say i this one because it doesn't have like the the casting aspect to it and any of that and it's kind of got this element of like faithfully adapting something and you like know it'll be faithful that makes it I feel like I can just answer the first law, actually, because I like it's oh, one yeah. that I feel would be so I'm so concerned that if someone tried to adapt the first law by Joe Abercrombie, that would not be like faithful and true to the story. But if you can guarantee me it's faithful, that's my pick. But I, I agree, Charles. Let's do more on this. Let's give these folks. Shout yeah, that's well said. Idea. And to me, like, I think we could maybe even have a separate conversation of like philosophies on what faithfully adapting a book into film means because for me it's not like getting all the details right and 
accurately just re-representing everything in the book and not leaving stuff out and getting all the details but it's more of okay how do we take what's in the books and make it as entertaining and true to its inspiration as possible in this new format and it's almost like starting over and and Mm. rewriting it for this new medium and like it's going to be so hard to do that for first law but i if i if you had given me lord of the rings and said adapt this to movies i would have been like this (laughs) is impossible impossible and they that is a faithful adaptation in my book like yeah it's not perfect and they they left out tommy b and all these other things but (laughs) it's faithfully adapted because they turned it into like perfect movies and accurately captured the spirit of lord of the rings and kept all the you know the basics and so that to me is a faithful adaptation even though it's not one for one representation you know that's so well said. And we need Charles. someone to do that for First Law. I agree 100%. Yeah. It needs to be faithful. It's totally agree. And I, this, this definitely has legs, this conversation. But the one word I'll add that I think you'll, will resonate with you here, Charles, is a faithful adaptation is about tone. Mm, yes. Like, do you capture the tone of this? Yeah, that's really and important. That, that would be huge for First Law. So, all right, let's let's put a pin in that and revisit those kind of questions in a future series. Great. Thank you, Green Team Pod. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, Charles, would you like to read the next question? Uh, if my notes don't deceive me, the next question is from <laughs> Lord Grumpy Dark himself has made an appearance. Wow. I, That's I almost can't believe it. I think, and I'm also kind of nervous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Is that how you feel most of the time when you see Lord Grumpy Dark? I get excited, and I'm also cautiously nervous because I know Grumpy Dark. Um, Grumpy Dark, he, he he's got the Grumpy Army ready to march, so you, you got to catch That's him in true. the right mood. But he seems to be in a good mood for this one, where he goes, <laughs> "If you could pick any Taylor Swift song for the soundtrack of Daughter of Flood and Fury." by Levi Jacobs, who is the author of Daughter of Blood and Fury, the Tide Collar Chronicles. Uh, what would you pick for the movie? Uh, see, I would... I'm going with the hits. I think you need a real slammer like that everybody knows for the sound. Like I'm thinking like the trailer song, you know? And yeah. for that, I'm kind of thinking like Trouble might be a good one interesting because it's got like these epic moments it drops the beat you know it it would fit well with action i'm thinking maybe trouble yeah i i could see it It wouldn't have been the one i gravitate toward because it's like fun i guess and who is the trouble when they walked in i guess i don't know if we can get into that without spoilers (laughs) um i wouldn't read into it too much i think it's the tone of the song that fits like tide collar chronicles has a lot of like like fast magic action and when i'm thinking of like okay they're like using water to fight in combat and then they're like in these fun almost venice like cities fighting and you've got this um you know female lead who's almost like an action hero in the books like i think you know having something where it's like you know, Taylor Swift is like screaming in the chorus of trouble. I think it would be cool. <laughs> I was like about to attempt to do it, and I was like, no. 
Yeah, we can't do Taylor Swift justice on this uh, on this podcast. No, I wouldn't want to anger anger Lord she, Grumpy Dark by. Oh yeah, and if we if we don't do a good rendition and we try to sing Taylor Swift, we will hear from Lord Grumpy Dark. <laughs> that much is for sure. What about so, you, Dylan? I know you're. Yes. you you've listened to more of the deep cuts. Uh, what's your perspective, With Taylor? Yeah, I'm big Taylor Swift fan over here. I feel like I I have to go for something off of the album Reputation, which is not that's not my favorite Taylor Swift album, which is Lover. Mm. Uh, I share that with Lord Grumpy Dark, who's been vocal about that as <laughs> uh, as his favorite as well. Um, Reputation is the one where. Taylor Swift came back and was like, it's got songs like, look what you made me do on there. And she's, she's pretty badass in reputation mode. So I was like, it's gotta be off that. I think to capture the tone, like you were saying, Charles of this, what's like the uh, flagship song though, that will represent it. The flagship song. I'm there's end like what's, game. What's going to be in the ha- trailer? Well, yeah, that's what I'm getting there. Uh, I think that I would maybe go with end game, which features mm. Ed Sheeran and future. So we've got like now more than just like, could you need more than Taylor Swift? Of course not. She's an icon as, <laughs> as Lord Grumpy Dark might say, uh, but to add kind of Ed Sheeran into the mix as well, it'll bring some pop to this trailer and gets different voices in there. Endgame has implications of kind of like a love story in some ways, and I won't get into detail to not spoiler the Tidecaller Chronicles. And I think the tone could be like badass. I think you're kind of like, I guess I'm thinking kind of like Hunger Games-ish with this tone as a little like darker, and you're thinking maybe a little more like action I, I am leaning more towards the action. Yeah. yeah, like epic action. I'm hearing that. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think this would have the like the bigness of having multiple big names on the track and the tone. I guess I'm going like a dark, gritty Tide Caller Chronicles movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing and a fun going action, more action movie with it's some really fun. interesting character okay. development. Like that, you know, a real popcorn you're movie. You're right is what I'm seeing. I get and, that. That probably makes more sense. And for me, the popcorn movie, I think if people sat in the theaters and trouble was starting and you see like the cover of Daughter mm. of Flood and Fury and the song starting and you see you see Thea standing there and like getting ready yeah. to fight and then she's like, what's up with all this? Like, What's the setting that we're in? Who is this cloaked figure? What's this, uh? And then the chorus hits and, and then all of a sudden Thea just like wrecks all these people. Like, I think it would be, no, you would go see that movie. Come on. Oh, yeah. Well, I would, tr- <laughs> look, if they made a Tidecaller Chronicles movie, I, I don't think that you, no matter what the trailer song <laughs> You're is, there. <laughs> I'm in, you know, I'm watching that movie release day for sure and it's hard to go wrong once you've already picked taylor swift as the person <laughs> maybe she'd write an original it. song i think that i i mean yeah i would choose that too she did have i think multiple songs in the hunger Games soundtrack by mm. the way so you got to give her some props for okay, that as okay. well and Great. I, she had one called i think like eyes open that's a really it's a jam 
Oh, check that out if I'll you've ch- only listened to the album stuff. I'll check it out. Yeah. Cool. All right. What's next? All right. Next up, I was, I was looking at Taylor Swift's <laughs> reputation album on my phone. <laughs> um, so after Lord Grumpy Dark's question, we have one from Tom's Book of Grudges uh-huh. at Dama's Tan. T- sorry, at Dama's underscore Tom. And uh, so I got Tam on the brain <laughs> for some reason with the wheel time Tam buddy read the- going on. <laughs> so... Tom asks, are there any film There's slash a Tom TV in Wheel of shows? Time too. What's that? There's a Tom in yes. Wheel of Time. I mean, with how many characters there are in Wheel of Time, there's probably a, like an everything. <laughs> That's true. So <laughs> are there any film slash TV shows that you thought were good but poor adaptations ah. or vice versa? I'm interested to see when changing the source material becomes a good thing. So this is such an interesting question. Yeah, this and is a great question. And it's hard to... Like I've had, t- yeah. Like, do, look, do we said Lord of the Rings, you and you know, for Lord of the Rings, uh, we said Helm's Deep, where it was an ex- great example. Sure. Like axing Tom Bombadil. To me, <laughs> that is the perfect adaptation in in my mind, in, in, and that to me is an example of good. Um, poor adaptations. You know, I don't like to speak negatively about anything. Well, but- Charles, I think the question is like basically a not faithful to the source material adaptation but what change to that tone actually made it better or, or making a lot of changes made it better than if they tried to make it faithful does that make sense right. like i think that's the question good but po- like a good quality thing but a poor adaptation of right, the thing right 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 um so i think people would say that about lord of the rings to a certain extent i don't think and- so I, I don't know. Like, they cut a lot of stuff out, man. They, I mean, it's a, yeah. Would I consider it a poor adaptation? Probably like not. Like, not faithful or, no, um, they kept to it pretty. Yeah, but I just considered it as, it's not a one-for-one copy, but that made it better, I guess, is where I was coming from. But yeah. that may not necessarily be the point of this question. Where it's like, give me a bad, like, give me something that's not necessarily a good adaptation, but was a good show or movie. I have the reverse, or maybe not necessarily. <laughs> that's the reverse, easy though. I think that's because the... I love the magicians, and I thought the show was disappointing, and they did a lot to change it. And I don't think we only it watched the first <laughs> yeah. couple episodes. Yeah, so but <laughs> it, maybe it got a lot better. And yeah, people really like it, and I, I, I couldn't get through it but that's my own personal taste uh but that would be my one of my examples of something that was changed and just didn't didn't quite work um but what was changed for the better hmm do you have anything that's coming to mind i'm trying to think i'm sure there are some i I just haven't thought about it yeah the example you brought up charles of the reverse i think that's that's part of the interesting part of the question is like it's easy to find examples where adapting it made it worse, but it's hard to find an example or like changing. Oh, it a what lot about like Blade Runner, worse, which is science that's, fiction? I was thinking you might say that. Yeah, Blade Runner is a good one. Um, do androids dream of electric sheep? It's a, it's it's they basically took the premise and then went on to make a totally different movie that just happened to be really good. So, like that's an interesting one that I might say. 
But you love that book too. Yeah, I love the book, the but I don't think that oh, but matters. I think it's this a, answers the question. It's a poor yeah. adaptation because it's not any like they just took the premise right. of the book and then went off and did their own thing and even changed the title completely so it's unrecognizable. But it's still a good movie. It's a bad adaptation. Like if you wanted to see Do Android yeah. Stream of Electric Sheep the movie, you'd be like, What is this? But right. if you're just watching it as like I want to watch a movie, it's good. So that to me answers the qu- fits the criteria well. I think you did it. Yeah. Nailed it, Charles. <laughs> Great job. I was like I was on one. there just groveling for like <laughs> can I hey Tom, can I answer this outside of SFF? Like just anything? And Tom was generous enough in our Twitter exchange to be say sure. You know, there is uh, Shawshank Redemption as I, well. That's what I was gonna yeah. say. It's just that's a short say, story by Stephen King. Now. Well I got it. That's a short story by Stephen yeah. King, which you, you read it, you're like, how did they get a movie out of this? And then the movie is of course like a masterpiece. So incredible. Yeah, that's another yeah. one where they were like Thanks for the premise. We'll take it from here. <laughs> and yes, I just went on like to make a good movie. Some redheaded guy named Red. How about Morgan Freeman yeah. instead? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, yes, thank you. <laughs> like, because that's what it is yeah. in the book. It's like, yeah. and they changed it so dramatic. Did you read that for Mr. Miller? I did. Class? Yes, I did. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Miller, our English teacher, gets another shout out in the 100th yeah. episode because he made us read Shawshank and we're. You know, say what you want about Mr. Miller, but we're still talking about him. So thank you, Mr. Miller. Yeah. Always appreciated thank your you. teaching. That was a tricky and, question uh, that we were able to successfully navigate with the experiences that you had given us. So thank you. Yes. And thank you, Tom's Book of Grudges, for the question. Indeed. Let's keep the party rocking here. Um, let's go. Benjamin makes another appearance. Welcome back, Benjamin, at Literature and Low. Bye. And Benjamin says, uh, if you could use any famous internet meme slash gift to describe your time together in the podcast, which would you choose? <laughs> mm. I've got one if you need some time. To yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I made one and I almost posted on Twitter. I probably will at some point. It was like that, you know, that meme, I forget what they call it, but it's like, like, you've got a couple and there's a guy who's like looking over at this other woman walking by. Mm -hmm. And then you can tell the woman he's with is like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, He's turning around to look at the other woman and she's looking at him being like, how could you, you pig kind (laughs) of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see. Let's see if we can find what that's actually called. Cause it's like, yeah, you got to go to know your meme or something and see what they call it. But yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with the meme. It's like guy right. looking back. Distracted me. boyfriend, <laughs> yeah, I distracted think is what boyfriend. it's called. Yeah, it sounds right. Yes. So it's Google distracted boyfriend if you're not familiar with it. And I bet you a lot of people will be familiar with it. It's a very popular one. And it's, you know, the idea is supposed to get across. Usually the, the guy is like a... A person uh, <laughs> who's trying to tell a meme about themselves, mm-hmm. and then the thing they're looking, the woman is a thing that they like want to do, and then the uh, the couple person that they're with uh, is what they should be doing, and I think that's the one where the guy who's is me, um, he's looking at 
all these other books, <laughs> like, <laughs> like oftentimes much more like modern books that like are shiny and interesting oh, and people are talking funny. about them. And the, like the woman that he's in a couple with is Charles's reading schedule. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so it's like, I'm supposed to be, I mean, it's always happening. Basically it's like, I was reading, Never let me go while juggling Wheel of Time, and that game maybe caused some delays. Um, not in releasing, we always release on time, right, Charles? But uh, so far, <laughs> though it drives Charles a little bit uh, bananas. <laughs> that and you know now we're <laughs> we were reading all sorts of stuff, and I started reading Skyward uh, in the middle of it, not for the show, and it's Skyward by Brandon Sanderson, so good. And then there's this earlier time when we were doing the Lord of the Rings and I was getting antsy and the character that spoke to me when I was feeling antsy was Rin from the Poppy War. And we did a whole episode way back then called yeah. Why We Have to Read the Poppy War, which was literally like I was just bugging Charles behind the scenes enough where I was like, dude, we have to read this series. And he's like, we're reading the Lord of the Rings. And I'm like, but we have to read the Poppy War. So I think that's just been like, I I was always a mood reader before this. I wasn't like planned out with what I was going to read next. I just follow my like, what am I in the mood for? What do I want to read? And I I don't know if I'll ever lose that, no matter how many things we put on our schedule. And Charles is cool with it as oh, long yeah. as I get the stuff done on time. Um, but yes, no, any changes that and we've so made far, to I've the schedule it. have always been for the better. So that's why we work so well together. And that's a great meme. I love it. I have mine actually. I puzzled Ooh. it out while you were you inspired me for mine. Mine is cool. the very popular Drake meme. And for those of you that don't know, it's where Drake like it's two screenshots from one of his famous music videos. He's got his head down, and it's like the negative, and it's just an idea. And uh. then he's like pointing up at like, yeah, that's a great idea. And it's just a variation of the idea that Drake likes. Mm. So. And with Drake <laughs> oh, no. with his head, I'm gonna be Drake. Aren't no, I? no, because Drake's got his oh. head down, and then the caption is like talking about fantasy books with your friend, and then the next ah. one is Drake going, "Yeah," and it's recording the conversations and releasing them on the internet. <laughs> so, because yeah. that's essentially what I think about now. It's like, man, like, well, like if you don't record it and release it as content, did it like? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that describes our show because that's what it is. This show started from a place of like, we're having these conversations all the time. Like, why can't we put them in a more constructive yeah. outlet where we're doing it more often? We're checking in with each other more often. We're reading more books and we're actually, you know, building something together. And that was the whole genesis of the show. So I hope that I explain mm. that through the Drake meme appropriately. Uh, that, no, that's awesome. And that's so well said, Charles. That's exactly, you know, that's why it's called Friends Talking Fantasies. <laughs> it's just the, it's what happened when you and I were like, hey, we, we're we spending hours on Zoom calls talking about fantasy anyway. <laughs> exactly. How about we record that and maybe yeah. other people might enjoy it, but even if they don't, then it's an excuse for you and I to meet once a week and talk about fantasy books and like do it on more like a thing that we stay to regularly. And that's, what's been so awesome about that. It's been even more awesome that 
like there are people out there listening and want to ask us questions and like that's amazing and we feel like we've kind of had so many more friends join us from the community and engage in these conversations and dialogues with us be it guests on our show like we're i guess an episode coming up we have uh, the fiction fans episode and that was so much fun talking to sarah and lily and then just all these folks that we engage with in the community out on twitter uh like benjamin who asked that question so. yes thank you thank benjamin, you so for that much. question that was a fun one where ne- i can see bottom now we have like what seven more questions left i think we can do it uh yeah let's let's crank them out here this is the longest episode ever so far and it's that's because it's the 100 episode special, guys. It has to be long. So let's get into it. The next question, I believe, is from um, Jeff. I'm going to pronounce I'm going to try to pronounce this. Uh, Jeff Spate, S P E I G H T. That is his Twitter handle, Jeff Spate. And they say, if you were stuck on an island and your only source of fire was your book collection, which book would you burn last? Ooh. <laughs> that is brutal that is a grim dark question i love it <laughs> yeah and it's so well phrased from jeff too I think yeah because it like, starts out as that typical oh desert island yeah, what are you gonna bring it's but it's like no you need to watch all your favorite books burn like <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like yeah because yeah desert island classic question like five books to keep it's like no you have a, your whole book collection at the start but you're watching each go. You know, you start where you're like, look, I love the Stormlight Archive, but this will keep me warm all night. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, sorry, look, I love the Stormlight Archive, but those those giant books, those are getting burned probably pretty quick because I can't resist. I need this to to sustain. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, see, I'm a big Kindle guy, so I'm in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) freeze. Yeah, you're in trouble there, Charles. Maybe we're stuck together. Did Jeff specify? Oh, I hope so, because I'm going to be like, look, eyeing your giant pile of books and being like, hey, buddy, we're sharing, right? Like, we're going to pool our books together. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Oh, which do you burn last? I have to go I, It's got to be a standalone. It's got to be a standalone, first off. Oh, I interesting. Think. See, I'm just thinking right? more of sentimental, because at this point, it's like, okay, I have this edition of the hobbit that i've had my whole life that i'd feel bad to burn but would i be wanting to read the hobbit as my last story it wouldn't be bad it's a fine choice and i guess maybe my volume one of saga i really like but there's nothing valuable about it so i guess i could burn it um yeah i don't have any like oh i do have like sign the first three books of harry potter signed those could Mm. i could uh Sell those for a pretty penny one day, maybe. Those are just collectors. Those are the only like signed books that I have. So, yeah, I don't know. Pick, take your pick of any of those. <laughs> Either way, sure. it's a brutal question. It's a brutal question. I'll go The Trouble with Peace by Joe Abercrombie because I've assigned one of those, actually, now that I think about it. Oh, so. nice. Yeah, I'll go with that one, and that's a fantastic book. It's probably my favorite of Abercrombie's work. And when pinned down earlier, I said... Which which one is I'll go which back. one is that in the new series? What number is that? That's two. Oh, okay. Out of the th- out of three, so it's his most recent book. I think he just keeps getting better and better. So and it's signed. So I'll, yeah, that's probably the one I would end up burning last. But I don't know. Once I'm burning the stuff, like 
<laughs> it's sad. It's sad to see it go. It's wow. a great question, though. <laughs> All right. Let's move it on. So, yeah. Well, we got another uh, Benjamin's all up in this thread. Fantastic. Uh, who asks, and there's a great one. What has been your most memorable moment running this podcast so far for each Ooh, of us individually? The most memorable. I, I, I know mine. Oh, I go think. for it. Go for it. For me, I think it's when friend of the show Mark Lawrence started interacting with That's our a Red Sister one. episode. That's a huge on Twitter. Yeah. It was kind of like because it, it's we've talked about this before, but this might be people's first time. And sorry if you're listening to a two hour plus episode is your first time, um, but. <laughs> you know, we have plenty of normal episodes that people didn't vote for another one of. So I'll say it, it is this moment that kind of went from in my head the idea of you and I basically just having started recording our Zoom conversations that we were already having and posting them and like being like, well, no one listens, but like we. Well, you know, we do it. Why not? Right. We it called was, it like, shouting into the void. <laughs> yes. And we were for a long time. And at one point we shouted into the void. I didn't even know what I was doing on Twitter. Like I was never, I had probably like zero tweets all time. I think that's probably accurate before I started tweeting from the, uh, from the friends talking fantasy account. Yeah, we started from, and I, was I just didn't like, have I don't a Twitter know what I was doing. presence either. We started from absolute zero on the internet. Yeah. I had an account where I followed stuff, but I did. I never tweeted. Like, and then I was so I didn't know what I was doing. I just like tagged Mark Lawrence because we followed him, and I figured like I guess you like uh, do you do that? Uh, so I we recorded the Red Sister episode, post it, and I I tag him, and you know he's the author of uh, international best-selling author uh, Prince of Thorns and the rest of the, the Broken uh, Empire Broken Empire trilogy mm. and Book of the Ancestor, uh, Book of the Ancestor, which we love, and many more. And like, I, I guess I just didn't like register this guy. We've been we were reading well before oh, we were yeah. ever. Yeah, we would like, talk about fans. him and read about yeah. him like for years. Right, and then we he's like. Uh, he like liked it, and that was a big deal even for yeah, us. It was that like, was wow, huge. like he interacted with us in some way. We we're like starstruck, and then he actually like listened to it, and he called it like I'll never forget him calling it a great listen, a great which is listen. like what? That's, like that's Martin Lawrence be liked the most us memorable moment. About. I'll never forget yes. that. Yeah, and he retweeted it, which you know sent out to all his followers and this kind of stuff, and it was kind of this moment, not just of like. Like the word starstruck was what we kept using over and over again. We were like texting each other, Dude, that each was other a this crazy kind of stuff. Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I oh, I've got another one that too, which is another author interaction. I think I know which yeah, one you're referring on. to. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, all, but, our, all our interactions. And then, you know, Mark Lawrence was so um, supportive of us as we read through the Book of the Ancestor and we read all three of those books and the short story. And then I remember we actually reached out to him with questions we yeah. had about, you know, his, his writing, uh, you know, his experiences as an author. And he actually replied back with these very thoughtful yeah. responses. And he was, you know, he was the first big, he, the, I mean, he was the first author to, to come out and, you know, 
give us that much support and the only one i would say you know like he he like a best-selling author that gives you so much of his yeah. time and and support it 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 was like an opening of our in my mind. I was like, "Oh man, we're not just putting stuff on the internet anymore. We're actually like people are actually listening." I was like, "What did I say in that yeah. episode?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like starting to be worried about what I'm what I was saying. <laughs> it's like the, what you're saying to Mark Lawrence, yeah, which exactly. Is like like yeah. Mark Lawrence is listening to me reflect on what I thought was happening in his own book. <laughs> <laughs> which was awesome so yeah that's definitely it and thank you to mark lawrence for that that's yeah thank you so much oh yeah so i think yeah. i i have in mind what the next one is and this was a moment that you earned and owned so you should uh get, get, go into it yeah I, I won't go in too deep with it and it was just a very brief interaction with patrick rothness on twitter which was he posted he quotes something about like yeah he posted something about uh, spider-man and i came back and kind of in good jest i i I think i mean he seemed to enjoy it like (laughs) uh, sent like patrick roth like he was kind of like make a like a joke about spider-man and i said like patrick rothfuss ruins your childhood and i just sent this like patrick rothfuss gif so i sent a gif at patrick rothfuss of himself <laughs> like pointing and it's like a very fun gif i use it all the time and it's like it's very fun patrick rothfuss and he's like uh pointing he's being kind of cheeky the, pointing at the yeah. camera doing a little jig you know being like hey hey i see you yeah and um so it's a sense that he was like getting some enjoyment out of ruining your childhood you know it, it was yes. the tone was great <laughs> and rothfuss responded in kind yeah so he <laughs> Yeah, he quote tweeted and was like, that much I provide for free, something like that. Like, that service I provide for free. Yeah, I think it was what and he said. And I, I was very, and you know, then we're, our Twitter, because Rothis has so many followers on there, such a big uh, following and all this kind of stuff, that then our Twitter account was like blowing up. <laughs> and Charles, like, Charles, you like walked away from work and called yeah, me. Yeah, I had to step near... away from my desk and call you and be like, dude, what ha- What did you do? <laughs> like, this is incredible. I just got a notification on my phone that Patrick Rothfuss quote tweeted you. <laughs> like, that was insane. That was so much fun. And yeah, those those moments are the standouts. I also love all of our collaborations. Phantology, yeah. Levi Jacobs, That's... Fiction Fans coming out um, later this week. Like, those are so much fun, too. Being able to share our enthusiasm with other people in the space has been a such a huge joy as well and we hope to do a lot more collaborations in the future and that's those are always so much fun well said charles i completely agree speaking of collaborations by the way great seg (laughs) our neck thank you our after 100 episodes i think i i think i got it um we've got phantology here uh, with at Phantology underscore books, you know, we frequently have collaborated with Phantology. Uh, right. They've had a few questions to ask, haven't they, Dylan? Yeah. Well, the first one was uh, on a previous thread, and I said we we're going to answer it, uh, which is he, he's like, he posts Steven, I, I assume we, the vast majority of the tweets come from on, on that account, um, um, asked, number one, how dare you, via the gif of kelly from the office (laughs) and it's just like that's what she says she says number one how dare you uh so we will answer that question for you steven from phantology podcast how dare we charles i've got a response for steven (laughs) okay how dare i 
How dare oh. I? Oh. How dare you? Ooh. That's what I say. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, here's how I took it, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Phantology, I think of the in a lot of ways as like, they're like our older brothers over there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, they were, they were out our there. first collaboration when we were really, really early in the stage yeah. of being, you know, in the space, and they they lifted us up right away, and we're very thankful for that. Kind of like our first break is what it feels like. <laughs> Right. Yeah, they took a chance on us and uh, you know, they were way more established and they let us come on and that's something that we're so grateful oh. to Fantology for for bringing us on and just like letting us be on show and being supportive of us and all these kind of things and they didn't, you know, they didn't have to do any of that and not everyone interacts as well. I'll just say Phantology interacts with the community in such a fantastic and supportive and collaborative way. And that was so apparent in that, like Steven just threw out to us when we had like very little in the way of anyone listening or anything like that early on, like, Hey, if you want to collab, like, let me know. And I've, I've always aspired since that was such a big break for us to try to be that kind of person in the community and how I interact on social media. And I, yeah, uh, yeah. No, those guys very, on Phantology are awesome, that. and we love what they're doing uh, in the community. And doors always open for them to come on, and we have some more stuff planned in the in the not too distant right. future with Phantology. And I think that will just be an ongoing thing. And I, and I always get excited when we get to collab with them. And you know, Stephen is awesome both on the podcast and over on YouTube as well. He's um, yeah, it's great. And the rest of the guys at Phantology, they, they those guys are pros. So really appreciate right. um, being able to work with them. And yeah. Oh, Charles. And I didn't answer the how dare us. I think he's like, it's like an ingest, like, how dare you enter our space? And I think that it comes off like Steven's got pretty dry, like sarcastic voice a lot of times on, on Twitter. And it comes off funny in comparison to the fact that Phantology has been so supportive and helpful for bringing us into I also got it like how like (laughs) how dare you like come up with this idea and put it out there of like a hundred episode special poll like how dare you have people (laughs) vote on what kind of episode (laughs) you're going to record like that is a crazy idea (laughs) and he's not wrong and uh, I appreciated the how dare you question quite a bit (laughs) yeah well, that's a great one. The next question from Phantology is, what books don't get talked about enough? And I think is like, this like there's the, more for sure. But Chatherine Voyage, Heroes yeah. Die, like those kind of books. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. And, you know, we gave a detailed answer to the how dare you question. So, Stephen, you know, come at us if you don't think we, we address this second. <laughs> and he will. <laughs> Read Heroes Die, Stephen, if you haven't already. And that's one I'm that doesn't think if he has. That one doesn't get talked about enough. Okay. And, and read Chaff like, and Voyage. We need to be talking more about Earthsea, too. That's another one that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's a weird one because it's such a classic, but it's like, what is wrong with me <laughs> that I didn't read it yet? It's, like, it's like, new to us. We're like, hey, does anyone else like realize what's going on here? <laughs> and like, yeah, we did like 50 years ago. <laughs> so I was like, well, oh, okay. <laughs> that's the thing, though, Charles, actually. I'm going to say that when I read 
Ursula K. Le Guin's A Wizard of Earthsea, after reading a lot more modern stuff, I was in awe of how much it's clear that she's influenced without a lot of people talking about that. Like, why did it take until Wise Fool enlightened us in our, like, King Killer Chronicle recommendations episode uh, thing where we called for stuff and King and uh, Wise Fool, one of our awesome listeners and uh, buddies over on Twitter and Insta, was like, hey, like, great wreck for King Killer fans, Wizard of Earthsea, and, like, very clearly, well, <laughs> I can't speak for Rothfuss's influences. I haven't heard him talk about this, but how could it not be a Wizard of Earthsea and Ursula K. Le Guin's work? But no one talks about it. Why do I not know that when I know lots of other things about Patrick Rothfuss? So I'd like to, I'd, I'd like people to give, put more respect on the name Ursula K. Le Guin. I know she's getting a lot of respect, but I would love to see even more. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's true. And that's an interesting way to to look at it too it's like yeah it's a famous like well-established classic like it is a classic yeah. but um it might deserve you know in the modern day like hey let's have like a book discussion about it and like kind of revisit these themes and revisit its place in history and how does that yeah. affect like where we are at with the fantasy genre today you know it's always good to revisit some of these things and yeah that's great I agree, Charles. It's more, it's like more seminal than I think sometimes people give it credit for, or at least than I did before I read it. So let's keep, let's keep it rolling. Yeah. So we got a question from behind the pages at behind the pages one. What type of magic systems do you prefer to see in fantasy? (laughs) And so we did an episode on our favorite magic systems in fantasy. And I think, so you can go see like the examples there, but I think of this question as more like, do you enjoy soft magic systems more where the rules are less clear and it's more like mysterious and things like that? Or do you enjoy stuff that's more on the hard magic system side in a way that the limits and the rules are made clearer to the reader? So like, that's kind of how I was thinking about it. How are you thinking about this question? Yeah, I was kind of thinking of like the really simple hard versus soft magic system. But I think, you know, when we did our magic system discussion, we came to this realization of like, you know what? We like magic systems that are not only like cool and interesting, but are ingrained in the setting of the world, the characterization of the characters, the themes of the story, you know, they service multiple elements of a book and that's why we like things like Mistborn and why we like things like Wheel of Time and why we like things like the Poppy War because these magic systems directly affect the themes, characters, and setting of the story whereas like a Lord of the Rings where it's really it's kind of whimsical and inspirational and epic um, it's just not as ingrained in a, a couple different like areas as some of the other series I've mentioned are. And so like we said hard magic, but then I'm like, you know what? It's, it's really just kind of like a, a mix and it's really depends on how ingrained into the world building it is. I'd say. That's so well said, Charles. And most of what I'll just say is I second what you just said. And the bit I'll add to it is if you think of, we've been talking a lot about Ursula K. Le Guin and the Wizard of Earthsea, that's a very soft magic system, but it fits so well with the characters and the world that it's 
it's just right there. Yeah. And while I do see myself as more of a hard Magic System fan with no other information, it is more about like how does this Magic System fit with the themes and the characters and influence uh, the the people and right. what and, they do. And there's and, evidence of, you know, soft magic that we love and hard magic where we, that we love. So it's not yeah. like one or the other, but there is this common element of there's more going on than just how cool is the magic system. It's how, you know, can we, like, how is that ingrained in the rest of the discussion that we're having about the book? And when we can make multiple connections is when we really get engaged with the magic system, I think is fair to say. Yeah. I totally agree. Awesome. Well, that's an awesome question. It's a great question. And we could, that's another one we, is worth maybe exploring more later, but we'll see. Mm. Um, we got Benjamin's back with what are your favorite books outside of the fantasy genre? Mm. I mean, that could be an episode too, honestly. Yeah, like, book recs, non Would there be demand for that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, would people want friends talking fantasy, not talking about fantasy? Can, for can a full we even episode? do that? <laughs> it's our podcast. We can do whatever. It's just, would anyone care? And would anyone want to listen yeah. to it? Would be nice to know. Let us know. Yeah. Let us know. I mean, I've always, like, I've said a couple times, like, science fiction was my first love. And there's a, um, you know, I love Philip K. Dick as an author. And there's a lot of stuff about him that's kind of dated, but he was also ahead of his time in a lot of ways. So, you know, I I love those books. Um, Trying to think off the top of my head, like, non fantasy books, because I've been so ingrained in fantasy. What about you, Dylan? Yeah. Well, I'll start with. Most of what I'll go to is still like SFF or speculative fiction or something. And I feel like that's kind of, I don't know if that's in the spirit of mm. Benjamin's question. I think maybe he wants, because like what? Can I say Skyward by Brandon Sanderson? <laughs> like uh, it's sci fi. So yeah, I, I win. Could. Like I could, but I feel like that's not in the spirit. So I'm, I was almost thinking, like, what if I say nonfiction? And I, so I'll, I'll give one nonfiction one, which is, like changed my life as a kid, but I haven't gone back and read it. So I don't know. Take this with whatever you, you will. But I think about it as changing my life is like uh, open by Andre Agassi, who was mm. a tennis player. This is not going to surprise you at all, <laughs> Charles. Um, my favorite tennis player growing up. And I, as well, yeah, I was a tennis player. I still am a we tennis know. player. Uh, come <laughs> on, man. I'm trying to tell you about a book that changed my life. Give me a little leeway here. I can't help myself. I know. As soon as tennis comes up with... It's a uh, thing. I just got to give him a hard time for it. But continue, yeah. continue. Well, it's a book about how Agassi, Agassi had a love-hate relationship with a game that he was he was incredible at and one of the best in the world at, um, and you know, he, his dad was extremely hard on him as a lot of these like great athletes, uh, often have parents that are really hard on them and how he dealt with that and how he just grappled with his experiences as a person with this pressure and almost sense of calling toward tennis where he couldn't really let it go. And I, you know, I, I was a Division three college tennis player, to give you a sense of, like, where I was at. I played tournaments and stuff growing up. I wasn't Andre Agassi 
making pro money top in the world or whatever but i had a some of these same like love hate relationships with a game i spent a ridiculous amount of time playing and i don't know having someone like agassi normalize the idea that it's you know it's like the thing i was talking about before about like you can love books and sometimes like be burned out on reading and things like that and that's okay it's like andre agassi modeled that for me as a really young child like thinking like if i'm passionate about tennis shouldn't i just love tennis and only want to be playing tennis all the time it's like no you can be like tired and you can take losses really hard and you can like sometimes feel like you hate it and it could still be a passion of yours and and just how do you grapple with that and learn from it and i've learned lessons that yeah are generalizable even to things like how i was talking earlier about books it's like about passion and about what's most important to you and uh, and having ambivalence about those things so yeah that book changed my life and open by andre agassi nice there you go yeah that's a good one i i have a couple that come to mind i don't know if they were life-changing but i i love a good murder mystery as well and i i don't think there's anyone better than red dragon uh, by uh, thomas harris he also wrote silence of the lambs um it's mm-hmm. part of a trilogy uh, and with uh, Hannibal Lecter. And the movies yep. are amazing, uh, but mm-hmm. the books are just as good, if not better. I think Silence of the Lambs movie is the best, but all the books are super good, too. Red Dragon's really good. And then for nonfiction, there's this book that I've read a couple times because it's so fascinating, and it's called um, The Big Bang by Simon Singh. And it's basically tells the history of like these scientific breakthroughs throughout you know humankind from like discovering the earth was round all the way to this like the theory of the big bang and he tells it in a way that's more narrative driven instead of like reading a textbook and it's really entertaining and it gives a new approach to science and the history of science that uh like kind of helps me conceptualize how we progressed uh you know sometimes it was just brilliant people doing brilliant things sometimes it was inspiration or luck or you know things like that and it was just it was a lot of fun to to read it and i've read it a few times it sits proudly on my shelf as one of the few physical books that i own so if you're interested in reading about math or science in a way that's not going to put you to sleep uh the big bang by simon (laughs) singh is is great for that so yeah good question sounds interesting yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, so yeah, so what's the next question? The next question comes from WNS Book Club. That's witty and sarcastic book club mm. at WS underscore book club. And that's Jody over there. And she asks, which indie author slash authors are you loving this year? Mm. So, I mean, I know who the first person to come to mind for both of us. Is I know the first here. person to come to mind for Lord Grumpy Dark too. <laughs> yep. Happens to be the same as us. So let's say friend of the show, Spiffbo finalist, the great Levi Jacobs yeah. is, uh, we love daughter of flood and fury. We love interacting. We love interacting with Levi. Any chance that we get, uh, he's such a nice guy yeah. and a great writer. And he, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, he was a lot of fun to have on for our episode where he interviewed him. We're in talks about getting him back oh, yeah. on the show soon. He's a busy guy and the family and all that, but we... We, We're trying to we book him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'd love to work with Levi again. He was so, and like, he came on the show and he was so game and enthusiastic. And, mm-hmm. you know, he knew a lot. He knew a decent amount about our show. And I, I just had a lot of fun working with him. And Daughter of Flood and Fury is a really great, uh, really great indie series. You know, one of those yeah. indie, indie spotlight episodes that we've done that mm-hmm. um, lived up to it for sure. And, yeah, I mean the the indie like we going into this show didn't have a lot of experience with independently yeah. published books and authors, and that's one of the things that we've been learning how to get into and navigate is the indie author sphere. There's so many, so many books out there, and, and it's and it's learning how to you know engage with the community and build more relationships with that community that we're excited about. For sure, and that's a. That's a great point, Charles. I think, you know, we're 100 episodes in now, but we've been doing three a week. So when you do the math there, we're not even a year old. And before any of this, like we weren't we weren't involved on book Twitter. We weren't involved on in the communities or anything like that. We're just like two guys who would check like best dot com to figure yeah. out which like was a great resource. Yeah, but yeah. like to figure out what are we going to read next? So like Charles and I, before we got involved in all of this, were like, we just weren't aware about how many great indie authors there are out there, and we're getting more involved. We're doing these indie author spotlights, and we're so excited to like to keep doing that. But I, I always feel bad, almost like uh, I wish we got into indie authors sooner. Um, but yeah, we, we're getting there. We're, we're doing it and we're very excited about it. I'll, I'll give a shout out to, to, uh, I, I hope I say her name right. I apologize if I, if I don't, um, Crystal Matar, um, who has a book out called Legacy of the Brightwash. And, uh, Sarah was all, Sarah from Fiction Fans Podcast was all about, this book and like she doesn't really like romance elements and she's really into the romance in this book and i i have been reading that uh, there's another moment of that meme where like i can just see it on charles's face he's like my reading schedule um but i've it's a book that i've been sneakily reading behind charles's back a little bit i'm still at the beginning but it's like right away i was seeing like really dialogue that really appealed to me and like a uh, I would say a, a male character showing vulnerability in a way that I really appreciate and is really like important to, to me to display so I, I'm not far into it yet to be fair but I'm really enjoying what I've read so far so cool yeah that's another one I'll say I'm so far loving yeah great all right let's move right along the next question all right the next question comes from S. Al Nasri, and that's at Al Nasri underscore S. And they said, For you both, which book or series would you love to read again for the very first time? It's hmm. interesting. Yeah, that's a good question. Maybe Mistborn? Mm. Like a Sanderson book? Like get to experience the Sanderlanch again could be fun. Um, 
I don't know. Do you have an answer to this question? I'm kind of yeah. The first thing that came to mind for me is actually <laughs> made this unsurprising. Joe Abercrombie's first law. Really? And I was thinking that would be not a good one. I actually enjoyed my second read through of it more than my first. Well. <laughs> Here's the thing, Charles. I'm like four reads of that through at this point. And uh, yeah, that original First Law Trilogy, I think that's accurate. At least three, but I do think four. And I guess the first time I read Abercrombie, I was somewhat aware of the tropes he was subverting. Because I, you know, I'd seen Lord of the Rings movies and I'd uh, like, I'd read. I've read some fantasy. I can't remember exactly the timeline of all of it, but he was relatively early in my fantasy journey and earlier than maybe like I would recommend. I still ended up loving it, but I didn't get some of what was being subverted for sure. Though I was aware, like this is subversion. And I kind of think, you know, Benjamin, who's asked a bunch of questions uh, today, he wrote a review of, uh, I think it was the blade itself relatively recently, the first book in the first law series. And he was very ambivalent about it where he's, there were things he loved about the character work, but then things I thought were kind of missing. And people talk about this all the time, like that. And they're kind of, they're pretty accurate. I think and like hardly anything happens in the first book of the first law and the blade itself, um, which like I am less plot focused than the vast majority of people and more character focused than I am plot focused by quite a bit so I I guess like Parve is like almost to understand myself as a reader I kind of want to know what would happen if I read Mm. the blade itself for the first time as someone who like you know I'm also hasty I'm also like someone who wants to see things happening quickly in books um I'm going to put aside when I when I like the characters I'll watch them do nothing and I'll be like this is great but I don't know. I wonder if I'd be more critical of the blade itself as a mm. book if I read it for the I first time now. I don't think you now. would be. I think you'd be just as uh, enthralled as you were the first time. But that's an interesting idea. It's like your perspective of like just your experience reading fantasy from when you picked up First Law the first time to now has changed so much that it would be interesting yeah. to see how you absorbed it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think I'd still love it. But would I go from like, I think immediately I was like, it's a five-star book when yeah. I was like, newbie dylan to the genre um and i didn't i was like ew it's a first book where like nothing happens that's fine in a trilogy but now if i read a first book in a trilogy where like it's all set up for the later stuff i am like it'd be nice if you made stuff happen in the first book and i mean abercrombie gets a pass for me all the time because the characters yeah. are so good. Right. So I do think I'd love it, right. but would I love it as much? Who knows? Or would I be more critical of it? I like to Ooh, think like... you would like it as much, but that's a good point. You never know. And that's a great answer because it's like perspectives always change. And like sometimes when a series catches you at that time, you're like, you're just open to it. The mood strikes, the, the whatever it takes. Like I love Lord of the Rings because it hit me at an impressionable age. I watched those movies when like I was like, you know, seeing some of these things for the first time. And it was awesome. Yeah. It's like, what would I think of it now? Like, I don't know. I've seen a bajillion fantasy movies and read a bit. I don't know. So that's a good point. But yeah, I think I'd still stick with the good old Sander Lanch, like getting to experience the twists and turns and satisfaction again for, for the, with fresh eyes would be, would be fun. Um, 
Yeah. Let's yeah. Do it. Are we at the We're last? La- at our last person. Yes. Uh, to ask questions. That's at Tyra underscore lean. Let's do Tyra this. Phillips. Let's crank these. Asked. <laughs> let's try to give Tyra oh, we the will. same attention we gave everyone else. The Tyra, the first question Tyra asks, I think, is maybe uh, put a pin in it and maybe we'll do an episode on it because it's what are your favorite tropes in fantasy? We could do many episodes on that, I think. Like, So, I mean, but I'll, I'll give you a quick, like, found family really appeals to me. I love that about things like the Lies Lock Lamora, Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. Um, I also really enjoy these, like, complicated nuanced uh, i don't know if this is a trope but like relationships like there's a few like there's one in the gentleman bastard series that's kind of like this and then the best one for me is the quoth and denna relationship is very complicated and sometimes frustrating like those i enjoy um but yeah found family is a trope i i really mm, like too favorite tropes but we'll do more fantasy yeah I never thought about like tropes being like, oh, I love that trope. <laughs> That's a new thought for mm. me. But, um, geesh, geesh, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to put a pin in that. I'll have to think about it. Um, That's fair, I do Charles. love found family, but for the most part, but not always. You know, it, for me, it's this is a lame answer, but it's what you do with the tropes <laughs> that, no, but it's that interests me. Like I'd have to really think about some of my favorite uses of certain tropes. And cause there's examples of all these tropes that I love so much. Like I love certain books that have chosen ones and have prophecies and, but I don't necessarily want to see those in books unless it's done really well. So, and for sometimes I like the tropes because they were turned on their heads or, or, mm-hmm. you know, thought, through to a different like, from a different perspective and things like that so yeah like school tropes are always fun and oh yeah i think the way magic academy yeah the way modern that, yeah. fantasy is like okay like everyone's read harry potter so how do we address the magic school in 2021 and people have had a lot of fun with that so you know always love a good magic school and i always love a good you know young upstart protagonist this coming of age character is always interesting too mm. so yeah it's worth thinking about definitely put a pin in it but yeah for those are just what's coming to mind just off the cuff yeah we'll take a look like tv tropes deep dive and yeah. make like a real episode out of this maybe yeah. so <laughs> right uh, i think that could be a cool idea definitely. so appreciate that tyra tyra's got more let's do it what books have been in your TBR the longest and you just haven't gotten them? Hmm. I do think we answered that. To some extent, <laughs> I, right? I have none. You know, I've read everything I've wanted to read and, you know, <laughs> take it as it goes. <laughs> you, I couldn't think of anything that I've been with putting fire off there, for Charles. so long. Well, yeah, no, it's Lies of Locke Lamora. It's fifth season. It's Chathryn Voyage because of your recommendation. Mm. Uh, those are the big ones. Uh, yeah. Oh, Stormlight. Indeed. Hello. Sto- oh, Stormlight yes. is a definitely... big one for me. So a lot of Brandon yeah. Sanderson. Yeah, for me, it's Rhythm of War, book four of Stormlight comes to mind. And I'm trying to remember what else I, I said the the first time. But yeah, it's getting late over here. <laughs> yeah, we're almost <laughs> like, on three hours the, here. Yes, yeah, so yeah. Uh, thank you, Tyra, to for the, that. And um, Ty- 
yeah, we, our TBR <laughs> is never ending, but I hope that, you know, some of those will clue into you uh, what, what, what was oh, the plan. Oh, okay, I got it. The rest of Robin Hobbs' oh, yeah, series yeah, yeah, yeah. is, like, the biggest one, I think, Yeah, I'm besides. curious to have you revisit yeah. those, yeah. Great, yeah, so what's so... the next question? The next question, favorite books as a child? Well, I know one that you're going to go yeah, to. Yeah, so Charles. Harry Potter, obviously. You know, a perfect prime age to absorb Harry Potter. Uh, growing up with those books is a big one. The Giver is another one that mm. I've always loved, and I would like to revisit it now, actually. It's been a solid 10 years since I've read it, but I remember that was one of the first books that I read and reread and reread, so... That might be one I want to give another shot. And yeah, then there was the series called Del Toro Quest that was like a fantasy series for kids. And I just remember it was like you had he the protagonist was collecting gemstones to complete a belt that when he got all the different gems would give him the power he needed, you know, that kind of stuff. So it, it was just my opening to that. And it was fun to like be reading chapter books. And they were very heavily, the covers were stylized with this great fantasy art. So those are my picks. Mm. Those are awesome picks there, Charles. Thank you. I think you probably read more than I did as a child. <laughs> I... <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Did you say Hobbit? I feel like you're a big I do Hobbit. love the Hobbit's another good one. I think that came after these, but Hobbit is certainly in the in the mix. That's a great one actually. Yeah. yeah. I for me, I guess I mentioned open like i would read these like autobiographies as a kid weirdly like, mm. i read the dwayne the rock johnson's autobiography too as a kid <laughs> yeah and that was back when he was just like Before a wrestler he was like a huge yeah. movie star <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think he needs yeah. to have a second version of that book it's like how i think i think like, so too how i went from a famous person to a really famous person <laughs> <laughs> the dwayne the rock johnson story <laughs> He wrote that oh, one a little too soon. <laughs> yeah, funny. Huh. Uh, I read like the the Phantom Toll Booth as a kid uh, to try to bring in a little bit of fantasy here. Jeez, um, I was like into these mysteries too. By mm. I think the author was. Oh, jeez! I hope this is right. James Swain. Mm. I, I don't know. I I'm trying to think. Have you heard of that author at all, Charles? No. I, if it, okay. I think that's probably it. who's like the famous mystery person that like everyone reads. Because I know I like like Pat. Oh God, James Patterson. James Patterson. He's a pretty like mature famous... audience. No, I didn't read. Yeah, him. I was gonna say this is like. Blood I mean, but James. <laughs> yeah. No, but. My parents would read that one. Oh, yeah, I, I like, think everyone's parents yeah. read James Patterson back in the day. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. James Swain. I don't know. His stuff was probably pretty dark, too, but I read that as a kid. Oh, jeez. I, <laughs> I think for me it was like, yeah, it was like these. I'd read these like autobiographies and like tennis books and stuff. There's a book called Winning Ugly, which is another tennis book. I mean, this you're learning some stuff about me, which is like <laughs> as a kid <laughs> – Oh, Animal Farm. We read as I mean, a kid, kid, like you mean high know, school, we high school, <laughs> or middle school. That was like maybe? the f- when I learned to read. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Our our love of fantasy is definitely a like later stage from childhood. Although you know, it was always there, but 
it didn't really take off till you know Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones blow the blew the blew the doors open and oh, yeah man Whew, Dylan I think we did it yeah wow I wonder how many questions we answered. I don't know but I see the timer going we've been on for at least two hours and forty minutes we've been recording probably longer. And that just goes to show you how many questions we had. And that, to me, is just so – makes me so – I don't know if proud's the right word. I'm just really happy and thankful, yeah. I think. is, is Thankful mm, is a good word grateful. for it. Grateful. Yes. And appreciative. appreciative. Like, these questions were really awesome. Like, very creative questions. And the fact yeah. that we got so many and for our 100th episode special and the fact that we're here at our 100th episode if you were to go 100 episodes back and ask me where i think we would be and like who we would be (laughs) communicating with and how many best-selling authors we would have talked to it would be nowhere near uh where we are and i would have thought it would have taken a lot longer to get to 100 episodes but you know what we started and we just had so much fun that we put more into it and it has been an absolute blast dylan so thank you a hundred episodes strong like this is the best this is the best and we're not we're not stopping charles oh, no but we're, we're... Yeah, here's to the next hundred here's but... to the next hundred <laughs> that's right <laughs> okay yeah no but thank you again so much to i mean just everyone who contributed out on twitter we'll look to tag it when we give you because you got shout outs in this and uh, appreciate everyone coming out it means so much to us to have been so embraced by the community book twitter and on insta and all this kind of stuff and just and every email that we've had with listeners it all means so much to us and we are just yeah grateful it's definitely where i'm gravitating toward as well charles great like, thank you so much for tuning in yes. for for being our friends yes thank friends talking <laughs> fantasy thank you is it too all, cheesy friend. no it was great it was perfect and now dylan i think we are finally ready for that sweet <laughs> sweet outro music jeez <laughs> it's like the length of the snyder cut right? <laughs> no, i like, think we're about an hour and a half short for the snyder cut but <laughs> uh, we're getting like, there yeah you remember <laughs> oh god Sorry. <laughs> you just want to end that episode. Let's get that sweet, sweet outro music pumping, Charles. I think we're ready for it. All right, let's do it. Thank you, everybody, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today, if you want to continue to be involved in these polls and discussions and Q&As and all that stuff, that's all happening on Twitter at the FTF Podcast with the number one at the end. It's also happening on Instagram and Facebook at the FTF Podcast. You can always shoot us an email as well at the FTF Podcast at gmail.com. Now, Dylan, if they're listening on Apple Podcasts, and they want to support the show, and uh, they want to know what they can do, and they're listening on Apple Podcasts. I forget what I've said already. What can they do? <laughs> Toss five stars to our podcast. It's been a long one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying here. Oh, gee, you know what to You've li- maybe listened to 
a hundred of these. Just thank you for getting through. <laughs> They're like three hours in, Charles. I'm not gonna tell them to go write a review. Look, you go do whatever you want with your in, time guys, at like, this drop point. Five stars. Come on. Well, no, I'm saying like you've already done enough. <laughs> you've listened for three hours. I'm not gonna that ask any more of your time. That is incredibly fair. Thank you so much for making this. Just listening, guys. You are yes, incredible. Yes, more than enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and for your support. And as always, for the 100th time, go forth and conquer, friends.